Hey now, Fight Game Media fans. This is Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva, hosts of Brace for Impact. Join us each and every week as we recap Impact Wrestling. I know what you're thinking, but you don't have to be an Impact fan to like the show. In fact, it's probably better if you're not. You know, we like the show, but we also tell jokes like to have a lot of fun at the company's expense. We absolutely do. We have our own feed, so just type Brace for Impact in the search bar of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button, download the show, and join in on the fun today. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Keela Cash. We're back today after a very extremely extraordinarily busy week in WWE. And by my side, per the usual, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, and the president and founder of the Von Wagner Fan Club. I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. I'm glad to be back. I'm here representing Big Daddy V. Um, you know, I... Uh, there are certain things in life that you are just called to do. Um, there are certain people that you are just called to follow. And there are certain people who just have a uh, a charm, a charisma that is just so inviting and engulfing that you just can't help but be a part of it. And that's what Big Daddy V brings. And I want to spread that word to everybody. Charisma. And charm, <laughs> he says, charisma, the charm, the uniqueness, the nerve, and the talent of Von Wagner is on display every single week. And Scott must preach the gospel of Von Wagner. He must preach it to the world to know this man is truly special. And we'll get to Von shortly. Don't you worry about it. But also on tap is our third chair, the guy that was a part of the longest episode in rap history, the Rap Awards. A <laughs> fun time had by all we really had a fun time doing the award show and breaking down the news and somehow going to bed at a somewhat reasonable hour back for the third time around Stephen Conway from Fight Game Media welcome back Stephen thank you thank you I'm very happy to be here I've, I've got to say uh, in in regards to Vaughn that I understand from the latest Spider-Man movie that there is a multiverse I have not entered the reality in which uh, Scott's words about Vaughn are true yet <laughs> <laughs> but I am uh, paying close attention just in case I, I slip into a parallel universe in which this guy's uh, really, uh, really kicking it. As a big nerd, I'm I'm actually from Earth 2, and that's where this Von Wagner exists. So I'm There's, just waiting on this Earth 1 Von Wagner to catch up. That's my problem. That's my problem. Okay. <laughs> we'll be waiting a very long time for this Von Wagner on Earth 1 to show up and be what Scott thinks he is in Earth 2 somewhere. And Earth 2, Von is a WrestleMania main eventer. He's a 12-time mm. champion. He's running wild somewhere on Earth 2, living his best life. Hopefully, we get to see that sometime soon on this planet. I doubt it, but you know what? You always have to have hope. Always believe in any possibility. Not even this one, but hey, we're going to try to believe that Vaughn is going to make it through somehow, some way to this universe because... The WWE Universe is infinite, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of infinite universes, I think we split the damn universe this week. We'll get to all of the splits and all of the forbidden doors being kicked down. But we got to kick things off with Monday Night Raw. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a very quiet week in WWE. Very calm, very normal 
Oh no. And the first topic kind of explains itself based on what happened on SmackDown. So here's a rare SmackDown Raw merger of Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, and Roman Reigns. As Paul Heyman realigned with Brock Lesnar this past Monday on Raw, being his advocate to his client once again, being the man behind the beast. And I love their dynamic. And Brock telling the people to acknowledge him like Roman Reigns was a very nice touch. But let's get to SmackDown because the question was will this last? Will Will this reunion hold up? And already we have questions and it's brilliant because you wonder to yourself, how do we get from day one with Brock winning a championship? Roman still has his universal title. How do we get to WrestleMania? And the answer is make Paul Heyman the most delectable side piece this side of the Atlantic in at least 25 years because the opener of SmackDown was fantastic as we have Brock coming out there doing the entire intro for Paul. He sounds like Paul Heyman. It was eerie. He was great. Roman's trying not to crack because this dude is extra in the best possible way. And then Roman is going to decline an offer from Brock Lesnar saying that we need to fight title for title at a WrestleMania sometime soon. You and I, let's go at it. Roman's like, it's a good idea. It's not my, it's not my idea. This is my show, not your show. And I don't work with people that associate with trash like Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman's face dropped. He was depressed. He says, how could you say that to me? After all I've done for you, I helped you win that championship. I helped you keep it for well over a year. I love you. And Brock's like, what the fuck? Did you just say you love him? And like, no, you don't understand. Like, he was the only one there for me when I needed him. And he he was the only one that saved me when everyone else threw me away. And it was great. Brock told him to shut up. And Roman says, don't talk to him like that. And Brock says, what are you going to do about it? And Paul says, don't talk to him like that. And then... <laughs> The best part is Brock tells Paul to shut up once again. And then Roman knocks him out with the Superman punch and he walks away. And Paul, once again, the man in the middle, does not know what to do. I love this storyline with every fiber of my being because it is brilliant. Paul Heyman has two dudes fighting for his loyalty. The best side piece in WWE today. I truly believe that. And they can stretch this thing out all the way to WrestleMania because you don't know what Paul is going to do from show to show week to week. It's outstanding and it's hilarious in a lot of ways. So based on what happened at day one, which was a on the fly decision to now they're back on track and they're going to find a way to get to WrestleMania via Paul Heyman, not knowing what to do. And you got two heavyweights fighting for your love and your loyalty. I need that in my life. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on this outstanding multi-layered storyline that is really carrying WWE heading into the Warrior Rumble? I think you hit it all in the head. It's it's a fantastic story. Um, the layers that are being can still being added to it. I, I I'm glad you lumped uh, what happened on Monday with what happened on Friday because it's a, a direct correlation with how Paul Heyman was just you know grinning from ear to ear in Brock Lesnar's corner on Monday Night Raw as Brock you know was mocking him and Paul Heyman's mocking Roman a little bit. Heyman even threw the line as soon as I left you, you caught COVID. You know so. There's all this stuff going on in there. And then you get to Friday Night SmackDown. The Roman comes back. You get the nice face-to-face. And I thought it was fantastic. And the, and the moment that really got me was when Roman looked at Brock after he said something to him and was like, hey, don't don't talk to Paul like that. And that's when I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is 
because you you kind of believe Roman a little bit because even though Roman is is like you said he gave you know he was mad at but Roman's like yo you you were still my guy for a long time you know we we did a lot of good stuff together so anyone who's who's been any type of love triangle had an ex-girlfriend ex-boyfriend or anything like that and dealt with you know them wanting to come back or you wanting them back you know exactly how this story is going to end up but who does Paul Heyman go with and somebody's going to get heartbroken and I, I I think it's going to be Brock at the end I still think Paul Heyman realigns with the bloodline and sets that up for sure. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on this latest storyline twist regarding Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and the man in the middle, the side piece for all seasons, Paulie Heyman? It's been so much fun to watch and so much fun to see everybody's performances and everybody's doing very, very well with it and, and clearly enjoying it. That's the thing that really sets this apart. Brock in particular, looks like he is having so much fun doing this storyline. And when everybody is involved and everyone is in on it and everyone is enjoying it, you see it shine through in the performance. They're invested in this themselves because I, I have a feeling with the way the Heyman, and this is a Heyman story, it's clearly different than anything else on WWE TV. Everyone is getting a little bit of input on betting. I, I think everyone is just really enthusiastic about it and it's, it's coming through. The other thing that makes this satisfying is because it is probably being handled mostly by Heyman and a few other I'm not saying he's doing everything by himself but this is mostly a Heyman thing you can have a little bit of faith that you can't have in any other WWE storyline that there is an end to this and the twists and turns mean something and it will lead to an honest to goodness conclusion. You can't be really sure of that with anything else in WWE because Vince could just come in and tear everything up, throw it up in the air and change everything. This one, it doesn't feel like that's happening just because the people involved have so much power. Uh, Roman, you can't really mess with him, can't really mess with Brock. And they're invested. So with this, you can enjoy it, sit back and have fun with it, knowing that it probably will pay off. And that in, in and of itself makes it so exciting. And I, I agree that it's going to go at least to mania, probably, uh, uh, and, and at least could even go past that. But, you know, Heyman might draw it out because he can't be too anxious for it to end because goodness, what's next? He might be excited to work a little bit with Drew McIntyre because I think he likes Drew, but there aren't a whole lot else. So I think he's probably going to make this last as long as he can he can make it. But uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, there's still more twists and turns to come. And, and I believe it's going to end up with a heck of a conclusion. And I, I agree just because of Brock's contract situation that he's not a full timer, that it'll probably end up with Heyman back with the bloodline. But I'm anxious to see how it gets there. Yeah, I love happy-go-lucky Brock Lesnar. There's something about this run that he's just happy to be there, happy to go to work and have fun and try to make people crack at the exact same time, which is not an easy thing to do. But Brock has been fantastic. And I did love the attention to detail when the Usos came out for their tag team match against the New Day on Friday. If you pay close attention to Bloodline shirt, Paul Heyman is X'd out. We're still going to sell these shirts. <laughs> His face is not going to be on them directly, but it's still the bloodline, y'all. I love that little piece of detail to say, hey, we don't roll with Paul Heyman anymore. At least right now, here's the X on the spot of Paul Heyman's face. I love that little touch from Friday. And it's different because we've never really seen this side of Brock and that he's the mischievous side. 
he like you said like he's he's having a lot of fun getting under roman's skin and he hasn't really portrayed that part of his character before that i recall so it is something different from him yet he still has that super high impact strong as an ox style and uh, it, it's just been terrific Yes, it's the best thing on WWE TV today. My favorite thing in pro wrestling, which is very high praise coming from me, but it's true. I look forward to the next chapter because I'm impressed that WWE in a week was able to save a storyline that felt like, what can you do? And then they got right back on track in five or six days. That's very impressive by WWE standards, which gives me hope for WrestleMania. Faint hope, but hope nonetheless regarding a clear direction for the biggest show of the year as we pivot back to Monday Night Raw and an issue that has been really on my mind a lot lately because I think about the women's tag team division being composed of two tag teams total for the entire roster we've got Queen Zelina and Carmella then we have Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley who've lost their rematch for those tag team titles this past Monday night and I know we got some Warrior Rumble teases coming up which might alleviate this problem but it's still a problem you don't have any tag teams of note on Smackdown NXT has women's tag team division it's a little bit better but not by much But when you look at the landscape and where we were maybe three years ago when they first introduced these titles and you had five or six teams, we're down to two and the champs have beaten the only team left. Maybe it's time until you actually care about this division and put teams together and give viable challengers to the champions. Maybe it's time to ice these titles and this division into further notice. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on the overall landscape or the non-existent landscape of the women's tag team division and the championships? They've cut the roster so much that it's incredibly difficult for them to even put together champions and contenders for these. Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley are clearly going to break up. Whatever story they're doing, we don't know who's turning heel on whoever, but the teardown of Nikki Ash is going to lead to something, either Rhea getting frustrated with her or Rhea trying to help her and Nikki pushing back on that. And those two end up feuding. It seems to be the way that's going to go. I don't know how long that's going to last, but they don't seem to be long together as a team. What does that really leave? Vince McMahon famously doesn't like tag team wrestling that much. We've heard that from many different people that have worked for him, that he just doesn't care for it. He thinks it's too patterned, doesn't really, isn't really interested in it. These tag team championships they've had in the women's division were to keep underneath talent busy and to have a bit of a storyline going, but they've never really made it a thing where the top women, and he has his hierarchy that we've talked about, the the, the big four, uh, and Bianca Belair kind of knocking on the door of that, but they're never interested in the tag team titles. It's always seen as something that is beneath the real top talent, and that's true of the regular tag team titles as well. You, you don't really see uh, big-time singles wrestlers teaming up to go after them in any real way. It's just not something he's interested in. They don't have the roster for it. There's not a whole lot of point to those belts right now, and it might it might be time to just maybe put them on a team and let them just sit there for a while until, uh, and, until they do become a little bit more interested in it or they have they have the talent to do it but right now that tag team division and i use air quotes with that is just there's nothing to it there's nobody else there so it might be time to just put them on a team and just kind of leave them there for uh, a, a while until uh, the roster's rebuilt which i assume they're going to try to do i don't know if they can go with this few uh long term unless uh you know they're not going to phase out the women's division but it just seems like they're uh rebuilding from scratch at the moment 
Carmella and Zelina holding those titles for 27 yeah. years would be quite the feat by today's well, you don't, you don't really have to have tag you don't really have to have tag team title matches you know it's just one of those things that they can just sit for a while and uh, just do go about their business but not really have title matches it's one of those things where they can just kind of be inactive I suppose or, or put them on Natalia and Tamina and just leave them there for a while I don't know I mean maybe they should just vacate them and let them sit but uh, right now there just doesn't seem to be much point to the division I guess is what I was saying no, very sad to see where we were three years ago to now. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the state or lack thereof of the women's tag team division and these championships? You know, like like you both have mentioned, there's been a, a huge fall from grace just from uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks, you know, holding, being the first holders of the titles then being in the elimination chamber, you know, having the Asuka and Kyrie Sane go after them. Um, and, you know, Sasha Banks and Bailey again as the heels going after them. Uh, so it, it, it's a long way from that. But, you know, I think there is you can still use the tag titles, but it it has to be throughout the entire WWE. And, you know, why not just merge the NXT ones with the, the main roster ones and let's just have all one big division? You already seeing a little bit of the main roster kind of bleed over into NXT 2.0. Now that it's Vince McMahon's baby, you see he doesn't mind bringing some of his top guys down to, you know, do programs. He's even had Grayson Waller on Monday Night Raw. So obviously he doesn't mind doing a little bit of the crossover here. So and you can tell they're very high on toxic attraction in 2.0. I think this would be a good way to get them some extra exposure. I mean, if that's the plan, if you, you know, if you really want to get them over as a trio, why not have them win the main titles, combine those titles like, they, you know, and, and have them kind of walk around the main roster, you know, have have toxic attraction, do some damage on the main roster, go to NXT, go to SmackDown, go to Raw and let them kind of float around. And that's a good way for them to work with some of these veteran talents. Like they can work with Natalia and Tamina, like they can come down to NXT or go to SmackDown. They can work with a Rhea Ripley. I, like I know they don't have much of division, but those three can just cause damage. You know, they can just be a problem anywhere they go. And it makes people have to align, makes people have to work together. They can kind of, to a lesser extent, people might laugh when I say this, but they can kind of be like a shield, a you know, a women's division version of a shield and just run roughshod everywhere they go. So you you can do something with it. But do I think they will do anything with them? No. I And honestly, maybe Stephen's right. Just put them on a team and just let them sit there until you've either retire the you know the titles and they just don't show up anymore or you actually start caring about it but if you're not going to do that i say just merge them with the nxt titles and at least give give those titles at least one more big match you know you can still get a big match out of that for at least an nxt 2.0 television yeah i always thought it was curious when they introduced those titles at nxt last year after i believe raquel and dakota almost beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax and it was some kind of controversy and they just gave them belts like why would you make another set of belts your division is also thin with tag teams the original title sort of floated around Raw Smackdown NXT I want NXT to have those belts for a while because I thought they had the division for it nothing's changed a bit but I still think there's a bit more depth on NXT that you can have teams vying for those tag team titles I always thought it was a weird move to make another set of 
belts. One was enough. And it kind of dilutes the purpose of the Dusty Cup when you was getting something from the main roster and you got robbed thanks to Adam Pierce and his shady ass saying, no, that's not our referee. We need a raw referee for this match and we can't count this. Like, whatever, dude. But I think that it's a case of too many belts and oversaturation of a division on one side and not enough on the main roster, which is crazy to me as they've cut a lot of people last year and they don't have the depth to support this division, unfortunately. And now our final Monday Night Raw topic leads to Bobby Lashley running through Big E, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins to become the number one contender to the WWE Championship as he will face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble in a few weeks' time on Peacock from St. Louis, Missouri. And I thought this was a great fatal four-way match to headline Monday Night Raw, the original main event for day one. Seth Rollins is still in his feelings, how dare you? But he would have the last laugh in terms of I will get my title match one-on-one somehow, some way. I just love this match. The action was great. I thought Big E almost killed himself and KO through those through the ropes with that spear. I always cringe every time Big E goes through the ropes, but they made it through. KO is up top on a balcony doing a flip dive onto men on the outside on the concrete floor. Very brave of him. And then Bobby hits everybody with a spear to get the win. And the dream match after all of these years has finally been realized. Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, first time ever, one-on-one. I'm looking forward to it. And I noticed as of late, the fans are cheering for Bobby Lashley more and more. I dig it. And MVP acting a little heelish, saying, I don't know if Bobby can beat Brock. I don't know if he can win this match on Monday. Like, okay, MVP, turncoat soon to be. But I love the fact that after all of these years of clamoring for this match, it finally happens. And happenstance hits WWE again because COVID strikes, plans change, and Vince has to pivot. And he gets quite possibly the biggest match on the card for the Rumble besides the Rumble matches themselves, Brock versus Bobby. I cannot wait for MVP and Paul to go back and forth on the microphone. Brock's got some things to say as well these days. Bobby can talk as well. So I love the dynamic and the presumed soon-to-be all-out brawl on a Monday Night Raw ahead of the Rumble with all the security and all the stars coming out there to break up this massive fight. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Bobby Lashley's dream finally coming true? He finally gets Brock Lesnar after five years. I I just want to, you know, take a minute and talk about how Bobby Lashley, since probably, well, probably for the last three years has just been on a incredible run um, starting from you know when he began in the hurt business being the US champion to becoming the WWE champion and this is one of the few times that WWE has actually done a good job with somebody after they lost the title like he, he hasn't been lost. You know, they he took some. He was away from TV, which is what which is what you should do if you don't have any plans for him. Keep him off TV. They showed some video packages. He comes back. He has a clear goal. He wants the title. They make him have to go through three people to get another title shot. They've done a great job with Bobby Lashley, and you know I don't think. You know, we, we talk about Bobby Lashley, and rightfully so, about how great he's done. But WWE deserves a little bit of credit for how they've booked him because they don't do this often. So when it happens, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna give them their, their, I'm gonna give them their flowers for this. But to this match, this is gonna be a, a really good match. Brock Lesnar is one of the best workers out there. People can talk about him only having two, three moves all they want. He is still one of the best workers in the world and can have a great match with just about anybody. Bobby Lashley has proven that he has working boots that he puts on all every day he shows up. Um, 
This I I wonder though because the match seemed like this is the match that they would have had if this was the fatal four way for the title. I wonder if this was the outcome. I wonder if we still would have gotten a Brock versus Bobby Lashley match out of this somehow. You know, maybe Paul Heyman advocating for Brock to get another shot in on the Raw side, or I wonder if Big E was supposed to win that match. Like. I wonder how the ending would have been different, but the match itself was fantastic. It would have been a great way to cap off day one um, if that would have been the main event, the Fatal 4-Way. But I'm very excited about this match. This is, I think this is going to be really good. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Bobby Lashley might win the match. I, I can easily see Roman costing Brock Lesnar this title. I know everybody's saying the title unification, but I, I think... You can have two big marquee matchups and not have two, those two titles in one big match. I think Bobby Lashley can win this match and carry that title to WrestleMania. It is a possibility. I do not see a unification match at WrestleMania. One of those belts will fall between now and WrestleMania. I do believe that. Which one is which? Most likely Brock Lesnar. How are we going to get there? I suspect Roman Reigns by way of Paul Heyman, but we'll see about that. There's a lot of twists and turns, which makes this match very unpredictable, which I love. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on this dream match finally after five long years of Bobby basically pleading, please, I want Brock, I need Brock. I came back for Brock. You denied me all these years. It finally happens. I'm as excited about it as everybody else is. Pro wrestling at its heart is built on fresh matchups. And that's something that's been very precious in the last few years. And even during feuds where you have matches going back and forth, uh, rematches, stipulation matches, building up to blow off matches where you're seeing the two guys in the ring against each other. Promoters, smart promoters, should be building the next person up on the undercards to make it fresh, to keep it fresh, so that after that blow-off match, there's something new, there's something different. This is one of the very few really fresh matchups in WWE right now, where we haven't seen... They're going with Seth Rollins on SmackDown, which we're going to talk about later. It's been a little while, yes, but we've seen Seth and Roman quite a bit. This is new. We haven't seen this before, and it is exhilarating to think that these two guys are finally going to tangle and it, it gives the Royal Rumble a whole new dimension. I'm fired up about it as well. And you just don't get fresh matchups anymore, but we're going to get one. And it's one between two guys that like Scott mentioned, can really go when they want to, and they're going to want to, I, I have a feeling they're going to want to actually show that this is something that, uh, that they uh, can, can uh, win the night, so to speak, and uh, be the match that everyone's talking about afterwards. I think it's going to be terrific. I agree that it's unpredictable. I would love to see a merged title just because I love the idea of an overarching world heavyweight champion that everybody is chasing. It reminds me of the old territory days, which I know were gone. I understand that. But it reminds me of that, and I would love it. I also agree that we're not going to get it. So this thing is could go either direction. That's another thing that isn't always the case. So uh, I got nothing but good things to say about getting this match at the end of the month. Me too. I'm excited. I've been wanting this for a very long time as well. Bobby's been begging for it. Brock, he's had his thoughts on it as well at certain points. And just to see what they did at day one, the chemistry was everything. And to have them go out there for 10 or 15 minutes at the Rumble is going to be great. I'm looking forward to the fight, though, on Raw. I know there's going to be a brawl for the go-home show. It's going to be a big-ass fight. And hopefully Paul Heyman knocks out MVP or vice versa just for the added touch of it all. But I'm looking forward to this match. A 
fresh matchup, which is a rarity. And seeing Bobby being built up for the last three or so years, and you saw it and you sensed, hmm, they're pushing Bobby Lashley. I'm not mad at it. And I love the build. I love a guy with credibility that can kick ass. You got two 40 plus Euro dudes who look like they're 40 or not 40, but 20 something years old working at a high level still. And you know, it's not going to be a lame match. It's going to be high energy, high impact. They're going to probably leapfrog over each other at certain points as well. I'm going to love this match with every fiber of my being because we've never seen it before in WWE. And it's about damn time. Yeah, that's a great point. I I gotta say that that's a terrific point because one thing is in that entire WWE roster, so few of these guys have been built in a way that they are believable threats to Roman or Brock. Both of those guys are on such high planes with the way they've been booked that even when they wrestle other people, we saw it with the Demon, we saw it with uh, even even Drew McIntyre in some cases, the Big E match at Survivor Series, we kind of knew Roman was going to win those. It just didn't seem like a time that they were going to have him lose. Brock, of course, is a steamroller, just a human steamroller. Well, so is Lashley. And he is a guy that is a very credible threat to either one of those guys in a match. So uh, this is one of those things, not only is it fresh, but this is a guy that you could believe might be able to take him. And that's exciting, too. And I think it was really important that during the Fatal Five-Way at day one, Bobby Lashley dominated Brock Lesnar Mm -hmm. every time they encountered each other. I I thought that was very important and just little things like I, I that that's a Paul Heyman, that's a Brock Paul Heyman thing I, I guarantee that they went in there and was like let's lay these seeds these breadcrumbs since we know Brock's gonna win we know where we're going next let's lay these breadcrumbs Bobby Lashley dominated Brock every time they were in the ring together so there is a little bit of mystery like what can Brock do to him? Because he didn't do anything. He literally didn't do anything to Bobby Lashley. So I'm. So what Keela says about their them having that brawl, I really hope they don't. I hope they don't touch at all because I think there is a little bit of mystique there about Brock getting his. Or if they do, I hope Bobby Lashley gets the best of them every time, every single time because there's there's something to be said about seeing Brock actually send him to Suplex City. He sent everyone there, and Bobby Lashley has not gone. I think there's something to that. that that's really good laying the breadcrumbs there for this story. It's brilliant, and I love it, and it gives Bobby all the credibility in the world to say, I got this guy. And as you mentioned, Brock got no offense last Saturday at all. The hurt lock was locked in. If it was not for Big E, Brock was going down to both knees, going to sleep, and it was a wrap. And I love the idea of how you can sell that in a way to say Bobby's got – a shot, a legit shot. He had this man on his ass the entire match. And I cannot wait to see it all realized in an actual matchup one-on-one. But I expect shenanigans per the usual down the stretch because you know there's something coming regarding the outcome of this match. And it might involve MVP because he's talking slick lately saying, I don't know, Bobby, I don't know if you can do it. I know. Like, what you mean you don't know? He almost did it like six days ago. He can do it. It's possible. I don't trust MVP. I have a theory about it later, but I don't trust him. I'm sorry, MVP. I no longer trust you with Bobby's career. Just saying. (laughs) And now it is time to get into NXT 2.0. And at first I thought, wow, I cannot wait to talk about New Year's Evil. A great show this past Tuesday. Wednesday rolls around. People got fired. And that is now the lead story of NXT 2.0 this week. As imagine 
You put together a great show. You're proud of the show. It's critically acclaimed, so to speak. And then you get your walking papers the next damn day. That is just the insult of insults to me. But I can't even get mad anymore because this is Vince McMahon's vision now of he wants NXT to be. I can't raise hell. I can't flip out on this show. It's his vision. It's like the NFL. The season ends today and coach is getting fired. If you don't fit my vision for my team of what I want us to do moving forward, forward you gotta go and triple h he had one job two years ago take out aew that's where nxt was on usa the job was not completed honestly speaking the war was lost two years ago when aew got their money from tnt and warner media that was a wrap in terms of who's going to win the war they won the money therefore they won the war and it just was a tedious decline from there the show plateaued before the move to usa in terms of freshening things up they didn't make the moves and vince thought to himself well let me come in here and fix shit and he's fixed it all right it's mixed results fix us far and he basically cut the remnants of the Paul Levesque team outside of the core coaches and trainers and Shawn Michaels, William Regal gone, as well as Road Dogg, Scott Armstrong. We lost Dave Kapoor, who was a writer for a very long time for WWE, then moved down to Florida to really structure the promos for NXT 2.0. They got rid of Steve Carino's sister, which was stunning after she moved halfway across the country and now her, she couldn't even go to see her son go first day of school and you're fired in a state that you're unfamiliar with. Very curious choices. Also let go was Timmy Thatcher, Danny Burch, who were now transitioned to coaches on NXT versus being full-time wrestlers, and Heichi Man, who was on TV with Diamond Mind a day ago. He's gone as well. And a number of other behind-the-scenes cuts behind the scenes. But the biggest name was probably William Regal, a guy who has been instrumental to NXT in terms a scouting talent for a very long time going on the indie circuit trying to scout talent for this show and now they're going back to college and athletes of football and basketball and track and field and they're not looking for guys from the indie scene necessarily so the strategy has changed the idea of what developmental has changed as well and we're stuck with an idea that Vince has regarding what the future of WWE is going to look like. And we'll see in two years how it's going to be. But I just want your thoughts on these cuts that are very, very deep, extensive, and changes and changed the framework of what NXT is and how it can really thrive and or not thrive under this new environment of Vince running shit and hiring people that really say yes to all of his ideas. There's no pushback. And it's his vision of what he wants WWE to be not only for developmental but on the main roster so scott what are your thoughts on that regarding the releases of some core pieces to the og nxt and what they do now moving forward i I think it's literally what you said i think it's vince mcmahon saying we're just gonna get rid of the old guard i mean you you saw Braun breaker kick the big x on his way to the ring like that was that was very symbolic to what was going on and I think the William Regal release is going to have ramifications that go much further than NXT. I think that that's going to hurt them when they try to re-sign, like when they try to sign guys who become free agents, like from AEW, who, you know, who were big fans of a Regal. Like, there's goodwill there that I think that has been lost when you let a guy like Regal go. Like, there's no reason to let him go. If, if nothing else, he, he just has so much knowledge that he could give uh, behind the scenes, a trainer, 
a scout, think about all the talent that he has been a part of bringing in. I mean, you just see it in the tweets that are mentioned, like a Sasha Banks, FTR, Johnny Gargano, all these people who are just like, if there's no William Regal, I'm not here. And those are the people who made NXT great. And those are the people now who are still there that are running the show, like like a Bailey and Sasha Banks. They're running the show for the women's division. Um, FTR is running the tag division in the world whenever they get the opportunity to. So it's I, I think that is just going to have just ramifications that are going to be felt later on when people are like, nah, I don't know if I want to resign with you. Like, why would I? Why would I want to resign with you when you're just letting anybody go? So that's going to hurt um, I, I, the Samoa Joe one I, as well. Like that's that's another big one that is going to be talked about. Timothy Thatcher, he's so good a worker. I don't know why you wouldn't keep that guy on as a trainer. He's so smooth in his transitions and just being able to really work with any guy when he he had a he had a nice run I thought on NXT and he was working with a lot of different guys and putting on good matches and I thought guys seemed like they got a little bit better after they worked with him Danny Burch is another guy who can work with anybody you know I'm kind of flabbergasted by all of this it's just I, I don't I don't know what to make of it and you I shouldn't be like I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but the William Regal one just it just really caught me off guard. That one shook me too. Of all the people, that's like the heartbeat besides Triple H, the guy that really gave people shots that WWE wouldn't otherwise. You saw something in a lot of people that WWE at the time didn't. It took them a long time to change the philosophy of what they thought a star should be. They've kind of backtracked now because now it's all about bigger, stronger, younger, greener. And I have thoughts on that momentarily as well. But I want to get Steven's take on all of these cuts from NXT, really the heart and soul of what this brand used to be maybe five or six years ago. And it's completely understandable that you want to make change, but is this too much change too fast? And is this new strategy of recruiting from college the way to find a star? Because you can build people from scratch. We've seen it with Bianca Belair. We've seen it with the Street Profits over the last few years. It, it's very possible, but this requires a passion and love for professional wrestling. You can grow and learn to love it, but it just cannot be about the check. It's got to be beyond the check that is going to be stable for you up until WWE decides not to sign you via this next in line program that's been instituted over the last couple of months or so. So we'll see if the strategy works. We'll know in due time. But Stephen, what's your take on all of this? Well, the message was clear and you've mentioned it before. The Triple H era is over. They can't fire him. He's a son-in-law. You can't do that. But you can fire everybody else that's associated with him. And that's virtually what they've done. I was surprised with Regal as well, although his job was gone. His job as the scout going to indie shows and finding talent didn't exist anymore. They don't want the indie talent. They want to take people and mold them from scratch. And we'll get into that in a second myself. So with that, WWE didn't see the current WWE did not see a purpose for William Regal anymore. The painful part of this is it really shows just how much Vince McMahon considers the black and gold NXT to be a failure. He saw that as something that was supposed to take down AEW. It didn't do it. Therefore, it failed in its job and the whole thing just needs to be wiped out and remade. That's kind of where his head is. It was a failure in his eyes. To the rest of us, we enjoyed a lot of it, a lot of it, a lot of it. But to him, it was a failure that needs to be 
rebuilt from the ground up. And that's what they've done. Sadly, I wasn't surprised at all that Birch and Thatcher um, and uh, and uh, Suzuki were let go. And I'm blanking on his ring. Heikeman, is that what it was? I'm sorry. Heichemann uh, from uh, Diamond Mine. Suzuki is his name. But those guys worked a style that they no longer want to teach. They don't want somebody doing an MMA-looking style like Thatcher. They don't want the world of sports style that Danny Birch had. They didn't really want the Japanese strong style that uh, Suzuki was teaching. They want this kind of slick, move, move, move type of thing where everybody does that silly looking forward roll out of the corner when someone barely brushes their shoulder to throw them into the ring. They want everybody to work alike, look alike, do the same moves. And it's a fair question for me. The people that are left, Matt Bloom, Shawn Michaels, and the others, considering how many people have gone through this program that they've signed from absolute scratch, you can really only point to Bel Air, who's fantastic, Baron Corbin, who's gotten much better. Maybe Alexa Bliss, who's not a good wrestler. She's a good character. She's not a good wrestler. Is there real evidence that these trainers were actually producing any stars that weren't already stars when they got to NXT? And I think it's a, I think that's a fair question to ask. Are they actually good at this job? And I don't think it is. And I don't think getting greener people is going to be the answer. I, I, I don't think this is going to particularly work. I think they've got something with Braun Breaker, of course. But And Carmelo Hayes is good, but he was kind of good before he got there. So uh, it's something to me that I, I feel a, a little bit of sadness that they're moving away from what they consider a failed experiment towards something that seems destined to create a lot of mediocrity. And they don't have veterans to work with. And Johnny Gargano is a free agent. He might come back, might not. We don't know yet. So many of the veterans that they're supposed to work with, and the only way you get better is to work with people better than you, are gone. So it's going to be green people working with green people. And two guys having their first match against each other never made anybody particularly better. That's what we're going to run into a lot in NXT right now. And it's uh, it was a sad week. It was a sad week. It really was. And you hit the nail on the head regarding what developmental is. And there was a twofold issue. We are a third brand. And Triple H said six or seven years ago, developmental my ass. This is a third brand. But at the core of what you do in Orlando off camera, you are trying to develop stars for the future. And I think he lost sight of that for a bit as you had a bottleneck of talent at the PC who were training. And you had a brawn breaker right, right there in the PC for months, already kind of ahead of the curve, and he's not on TV. That's a bottleneck. And I agree that if you're not growing and progressing in six months, it might be time for us to cut bait, say, this might not be the business for you. But here's the issue with 2.0. They cannot have their cake and eat it too regarding this is what we want our stars to be, but let's throw a lot of green people on TV and say, let's go. I would right. never throw you on TV when you're not ready. We're going to mm -hmm. get to some people momentarily who are not ready for television. But you got 205 Live, which might as well be called NXT 2.5, NXT Plus on Peacock. <laughs> because outside of that, that is the only way you're going to get the people who are not ready for national television primed via Peacock. And I'm fine with that. I think there was an idea that was broached by Gabe Sapolsky, who was also cut by WWE a couple of days ago, and that they wanted a spinoff of NXT to get the people from the from the PC who are not quite ready for prime time, who don't get the time on TV, to get the time via the streaming service, which I completely understand. That might be a way to help people develop in front of a crowd 
and it's not as many eyeballs. I wish the WWE would not advertise. We're doing 205 Live. Check us out because there's a lot of greenness on the show. But mm-hmm. if you want to see the stars of tomorrow on our own time, that might be a good idea. But I cannot deal with very green people on national TV. It does not work. If you want NXT to be a third brand that you're trying to get to via all of these main roster um, cameos as of late, then fine. But we cannot have green on green every single week. It's going to kill your show dead. That's not NXT. You can be a hybrid of what you want your stars of tomorrow to be, but it cannot be green on green action. It does not work. I do not like it. And that's the one drawback, the 2.0. They want to give us everything. We want to give you variety. But sometimes variety can be a bit too much when people are not ready for TV. And I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming the people that put them in that position to fail. Because maybe one day, outside of the WWE system, they might be ready. But you pushed them too soon. And that's a drawback. I think about a Drew McIntyre. He wasn't ready 12 or 15 years ago. He was ready when he left WWE and got experience and got his life together. Maybe that'll be for somebody we'll get to shortly, but you got to figure out a way to merge what you want developmental to be and make this TV show, which was very good on Tuesday, like that most weeks and not what we see most weeks when it's a lot of green people who are not ready for TV. And the, the, the loss of the Florida circuit that they used to run really hurts because nothing is a substitute for ring time. There is no substitute for ring time at all. And the fact that they're not doing those little small armories and little community centers around Florida, and those were small shows, didn't draw a lot. That wasn't the point of any of it. If you're training people to eventually be good when they get on national television, the only way to do that is to wrestle. And you're not going to do it with drills. Goodness knows, like a lot of these green people... Most of their matches look like they're running some form of a drill during their match. And it looks like they're counting steps. It looks like they're doing all those things. That's the stuff that needs to get ironed out before you go on TV. And they're not getting wrestling once a week isn't going to do that. And wrestling another green person once a week definitely isn't going to do that. They need that old Florida circuit back where they're doing three matches, three, four matches a week and ironing out those bumps before they go on TV. And they haven't brought that back. And that's not helping either. Not at all. And, and you know, I, I, you, Stephen, you brought up some of the people who have become, you know, bigger names. I think Charlotte Flair has got to be on that list, too. She was FCW, um, though. She was with Steve. Oh, That's, okay. I was talking NXT, like this Matt Bloom led. And you can even throw in Demod a little bit. But I was talking about most of the people that were homegrown came out of FCW that made it. That was much more effective in making stars than NXT has been from scratch. What about like a Montez Ford? Which would he fall into? I, I, I don't have Ford's, like, his career in front of me right now. I was looking into, like, a lot of the names. We were trying to figure out people that were just NXT, like, walked into NXT having not wrestled before and are really good. If that's the case with Ford, then he would definitely be on the list, yes. And, and, and like you said, Bel Air, Bliss to an extent. She's not a good wrestler, but the good character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corbin uh, has has turned into a capable worker. I mean, you know, he's not uh, the best in the world, but certainly better than he was when he started. Uh, but the list of people that went through FCW is 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 quite extensive. <laughs> and that's where a lot of those folks came from. So I, I, I just question this. And they're just their batting average isn't that great. Great. And so I'm just kind of wondering exactly what, you know, are, are they sure they actually have the right people running that? I'm not I'm not personally just I just don't see the pipeline. That is a very good point. And we'll see how this all plays out with Vince's vision of the new NXT. 
you offered our suggestions. They they're easy solutions where they take the advice. I don't know. But I can't say this is a failure until maybe year one or two into this experiment to see where we are. Everybody can't be a brawn breaker off the bat. It's a miracle that he was there when he was to get on TV and now be the champ. That's great scouting by Vince that day, that faithful day in June at the PC. I like that brawn breaker fella. I don't like the Steiners, goddammit, but I like that brawn breaker. <laughs> get him on my TV as soon as possible. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I would love to revisit this show in two years, listen back to it and see what the hell happened to NXT 2.0 that probably became 3.5 when it's all said and done regarding whatever they're going to do with this show. But let's get back on track regarding, hey, New Year's Evil was actually a good show this week, despite all the firings from WWE, from the Black and Gold brand, the last remnants that Braun Breaker broke down. He did not realize when he broke the chains of the Black and Gold and says i'm free at last even though i was never a part of the original nxt but hey it is what it is symbolism is everything but we do have a couple of new champions in carmelo hayes the now unified north america champion beating roderick strong a great opener to this show i loved this match so much the chemistry was everything the x-plex from the top rope was ridiculous I don't know who took it worst. I'm glad that Carmelo had the rare thought to make the cover and Roddy kicks out. He hits the, the axe kick from the top rope. The elevation was everything for the win. I loved the opener of this match as we retire the Cruiserweight Championship officially. 205 Live, besides the name, is now dead via this championship as well. So guys, what are your thoughts on this opening match? Starting with you, Stephen, regarding Carmelo Hayes, who never misses every time he hits a shot. Carmelo was impressive, and he was impressive in this match, and Roderick Strong was terrific in working with him. I, again, I, I really enjoy his stuff. I, I kind of enjoy the act with Trick Williams, actually, more than I thought I would when it began. He's real. He's a real talent, and I think he's going to be a good North American champion. This show actually felt like they moved to 2.0 more than even the original episodes of 2.0, where the veterans won a lot of these type of matches. Uh, I, we, I think we even had this discussion on this show where it just seemed like, well, they kept saying that, oh, it's a new era, it's a new era, it's a new era, and then the new guys kept losing to the older guys. <laughs> we were like, well, it might not be that new of an era yet, is it now? But this one felt like it, and this one was uh, uh, Carmelo who stepped up, did a very good job against a very good worker and held his own, went over, won the two titles. It was a decisive thing where this is the new guy. And uh, certainly, of course, at the end with Braun, which we'll get to, definitely felt like this is the new guy. So we heard that uh, we got that message a couple of times during New Year's Evil that we're, we are going to put our might behind, our promotional might behind these uh, young ones. And the good news is they pick Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker, who both seem capable of carrying it. Yes, fine choices. Armelo and Braun via the Lakers that I love the tweet ah. that Carmelo <laughs> sent out. They are the LeBron and Carmelo of NXT 2.0. I love the image. It's great. They do not miss. And I truly love this match. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the retirement of the Cruiserweight division, the championship, and Carmelo becoming the unified North American champion? <laughs> Uh, you both have, have laid the praises on Carmelo. Uh, he's he's been fantastic since his heel turn. Um, some unsung heroes during this match. Obviously, Roderick Strong always brings his working boots. You know what he's bringing to the table. Uh, Malcolm Bivens and Trick Williams on the side, on the outside. The facial expressions, just the mannerisms. They are both 
great managers. Yeah. You know, I, I I haven't seen a lot of trick in the ring, but him as a as just kind of the hype man for Carmelo is is beautiful. Bivens is a fantastic manager, and I'm shocked he's not on the main roster being the mouthpiece for Omos right now. I, I, I'm just shocked he's not a mouthpiece for somebody on that main roster that Vince McMahon wants to get over because he is fantastic. He's quick-witted. He's able to take something that someone says and flip it right on them very quickly. I, I think in the promo battles leading up to this with him and Trick were, were, were great. I, I'm a big Bivens fan. I think he is right up there with Carmelo and Braun Breaker as far as who could be on the main roster for the next five, 10 years. I could easily see Bivens being a manager for just a host of different people. He's that good at what he does. Um, and that's just on the side of the match that, you know, that's not even talking about the match. It's just on the outside. The match was fantastic. Um, Carmelo Hayes is going to be, um, he's going to be a perennial champion on the main roster. Maybe not world champion, but he is always going to be IC champion, US champion. He's always going to be in that in that range, in that picture. And he might mess around and win a world title too because he's definitely got the ability. But I, I think he's proving himself to be versatile. He can do different things. And he's been able to handle himself in the ring. And he's a smaller guy, but he's thick. Like when he throws those clotheslines, he is throwing those clotheslines. He puts a little extra into it. So, yeah, love the match. Fantastic. I hope Roderick Strong is a guy that they're going to keep around. It doesn't really seem like it because everybody else is gone. But you got to keep some type of veteran presence to work with these young guys. Like you just can't release everybody. And he's a good guy who can work a lot of different styles. So hopefully this is not a swan song. I hope so. I hope that he stays around. I know he resigned maybe a year or so ago, but you know, contracts in WWE right, never guaranteed. Exactly. That's my worry, but he's too good to let go. The last remaining men- member of the Undisputed Era. Don't let this man go, please. The Diamond Mine is a great faction. And as you guys mentioned, Trick Williams and Malcolm Bivens, the facial expressions by Trick in particular were awesome. I love this dude. On site, I saw him cut a promo. He was speaking very, very fast, but I knew he had potential to be a great talker once he slowed down a bit stop being so nervous now he's locked in being himself and he is a great asset to Carmelo Hayes and Malcolm Bivens this dude has me crying every time he talks and you need that on the main roster he's a great smart witty guy that you great Twitter game too oh the Twitter game is unmatched the unified I haven't seen that I haven't seen the great Twitter game oh I'm gonna look at that Yes, he actually proposed twin magic with Omos at the Royal Rumble, <laughs> which was amazing. I like, I don't oh, that know popped how me. They... That popped me. I like that. <laughs> it was amazing. But the the Ready to Unify album by Biggie of the two titles on Tuesday that was tremendous meme work by Malcolm Bivens. This dude between his love of Zia Lee saying she's going to be on SmackDown, and he's like genuine on this. I, I, everything he does on Twitter is amazing and I'm so glad in the last couple of months he's been able to talk a bit more because I remember last year on those sad days of full sale he's trying to get over into share and they're not good as a tag team they kept Veer I think they got rid of the other dude that was a part of the group but he could not elevate that tag team because they were not ready for prime time but thankfully you got the Creed brothers who are good who are going to get better over time you got Ivy now who's going to be a force one day I love her I love how she tries not to crack every time Malcolm talks so I 
just love their dynamic together. They have a lot of potential. And hopefully Roddy is still a part of the picture long term because he's really, really good. And you need veterans. You got Pete Dunn. You got Roddy. You got Chomp, hopefully. And those are the pieces you need to really get this crew together because you're going to need the help as a lot of people are gone and they are not re-signing. And you can understand why, but you need some kind of key pieces still there to further the 2.0 journey along. And Roddy is the perfect guy for that. And the managers and Trick and Malcolm are definitely guys to look out for in terms of getting guys over long term on this show. And now it is time for the long awaited at long last coronation officially of Braun Breaker as the new NXT champion. This made me very, very happy. The black attire was everything trying to play into Rick back in the nineties, early two thousands. I love that for his dad. And the match itself was great. I believe this is Braun's 15th match ever in life. And it was probably his best match to date. The standing moonsault with ease. Like this dude busts out a move every single week. That is completely him and unique. That blows my mind. A spear to everything. Ciampa working as a fucking cruiserweight flying around. Speeding up the pace to make sure, hey, you can't catch me. I love the callbacks to the original match at Halloween Havoc with Ciampa pulling back the mat, just trying to beat this guy with several knees to the face. It all backfires and Braun kicks out of the fairy tale ending. He's shocked. And then Braun overcomes his fear of heights. He gets on the second rope, hits that elevator bulldog, hits the Steiner recliner, and makes Ciampa tap out to become the new NXT champion. I thought they were a little cheap. Like, where is the pyro for the Braun Breaker? We get pyro for everyone else. Where's Braun's pyro, damn it? Where's the confetti? Where's streamers for him? He's a new champ. But I love the digital exclusive of Braun Breaker's father, who we cannot name. It's Mr. Breaker. He gets to come out there. <laughs> Mr. Breaker, Rick Breaker comes out with his son in the ring. And it's lovely to see them embrace and they hug and he raises his son's hand. Like, can we just say it's Rick Steiner already? But, you know, it's an inside joke at this point. The puppy face gremlin is now a man with the championship belt. Long overdue. I'm very happy about this. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts about Braun Breaker, the face, the guy with the keys to NXT, at least hopefully for the next year, unless Vince has absolute impatience and he says, I need Braun Breaker to win the Royal Rumble. What I tweeted just after this match was that he's not he's not perfect, but the list of people who are this good this early in their career is very, very short. It's we're talking like Kurt Angle, Jun Akiyama of guys who are this good, this fast. And you mentioned that standing moonsault that looked effortless. A lot of his offense looks effortless, and and I mean that in a good way. He he's intense. He has all that, uh, the facial expressions. He has the 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 look. He has that uh, ability to look like he's getting himself wound up, and his fire is there. But the moves look effortless. It looks like he's been doing this for years and years already, and he can work well. He can tell a story in his match. It's very very impressive. I said that uh, barring injury or insanely stupid booking uh, this guy should be a factor in the professional wrestling business every day he's in it i just don't see why not i haven't felt this good about a new guy i mean we're talking like angle and rock and i'm not exaggerating i'm trying to think of another guy where i was this sure he's going to be a big deal for a long time and it's that's the list that he's on that's an elite list and i'm excited but terrified because this is wwe i know and I- 
it's too good to be true. Like you find a guy like this at the PC who is extremely gifted already. 15 matches doing shit like this. And he's only going to get better. He's 24 years old. He is the real Ripley saying he's 24 years old, y'all. He's 24. He's not 25. He's not his. He's he hasn't hit his prime yet, which is frightening. And I cannot wait until he's elevated to the main roster. Not anytime soon. Let this man get experience in NXT. Be the champ for a while. Then drop the belt sometime next year. And then be on his merry way to WrestleMania in L.A. That's a prediction that's out there. He's going to be a part of a marquee mm. match in next year's WrestleMania. I firmly mm. believe that. He's good now. Keep a good head on your shoulders. He's good to go. So, Scott, after we waited for so long, maybe a grand total of three months, it finally happens. Braun Breaker is the new NXT champion. I, I mean, what, what more can we say about Braun that hasn't been said? I, I think he's one of the few people in wrestling outside of maybe Hook who is universally praised so far in their short time wrestling. Like, he, you bring up the moonsault that looked effortless. It came out of nowhere. Like, I had no idea he was going to pull off a moonsault. You know, I'm thinking he might run the ropes and do a big splash, you know, something like, you know, kind of what Big E does. He pulled out the moonsault. My jaw dropped because he hit it perfectly. He hit it smooth, went right into the pen. And Keela, you bring up they did a lot of callbacks from their last match. One of my favorite things from this match, small moment, he's on that second rope. And he, ta- and he sits up, but he sits back down and takes a second to look because he remembers when he took that fall in the first match. And I don't know if, looking back at it, I don't even know if that was an accident now. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know if he really did slip or if that was a part of the match because of how well they've played that into the story. Like, I, I feel like especially with younger guys, instead of running away from some of the, the botches or the mess ups, you can easily just play that into them just being a young guy trying to do too much. And that's what they did with Braun. So I like that little second look he gave the rope and then hit the big move. And then he went right into his recliner, got fired up, got the crowd into it, and went right into the recliner. Like, there's no wasted motion. You know, when he does something, there's a reason. When he, his in-between moves, he's not looking and wondering what he's supposed to do next. He's just moving. He's just having a match. He's not going over the match. He's not thinking about the match. He's just having a match. And when we talk about Big Daddy V later on, you're going to notice a difference. Like when Braun is in the ring, he's not watching his feet. He's not thinking about what he's doing. He's just doing stuff and he looks great. When Big Daddy V's out there, he's counting steps. He's looking lost and his eyes are about to pop out of his head. And I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on with that. But um, yeah, Braun's, Braun's fantastic. I, I think this should be a long reign. I actually wouldn't even mind him being in the Rumble as the NXT champion, getting make, mix it up a little bit with some of the top guys, have him eliminate some top guys. Like, I, I think people are ready for Braun. Like, I think there's an anticipation for Braun on the main roster, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you both as far as... I think he's as can't miss as you can get, but we're still talking WWE and he could be a superstar and WWE might only want him to be a star. And that could be a problem. It's frightening because we're looking at a can't miss guy in a company that has missed can't miss people before and recently. Mm -hmm. And it's that that's the only thing that makes me trepidatious about the whole thing is that they have absolutely whiffed on some can't misses. But they've got to see this, right? They've got to see it. 
they better. If they don't, like Vince, you went down there in June of last year. You did the walkthrough. You right. picked this man. You got next, young man. I like you. I like your potential. If you don't think this man is a WrestleMania main event or a future champion, you're out of your damn mind. Like this is it. This guy in 15 matches, which is remarkable. And I've seen seasoned vets on main roster WWE that still think about every movement. He's not in his head 15 matches in his career. That's remarkable to have a guy that just does shit, does not think about it, just does it because it's instinctual. And I love that about him. And we'll get to Vaughn's ass eventually. Don't you worry about it. We're going to get him together on this show. But I, um, imagine if Omos was this good. Oh, like mm. just imagine yes. if Omos was this good. Just think about what Vince McMahon would be doing with Omos on the main roster right now if he was this good. Even if he was even close to this good at where Braun is. Like Omos would be on his way to winning the Rumble this year and facing one of them for the title if he was as ready as Braun is. That is a very good point. And I don't think Omos is there. And I just we'll get to people that have come through this system on SmackDown shortly that actually has a bit more potential, depending on character work moving forward. Hint, hint, regarding some folks on SmackDown. But that's a very valid point. If Omos had like a tenth of Braun Breaker's agility or something in terms of I'm not thinking about the steps, he would be the guy. But unfortunately, he can't move very much. And I feel for him because there are moments when he does bring energy and electricity to what he does in the ring. There is movements that, that, that is impressive. But in terms of a full length match, I can't trust it. We saw it on Monday with AJ Styles. The man cannot perform miracles. I love AJ, but that was a miracle that he cannot pull off on Monday, unfortunately. And I felt for both of them because I know they were together for over a year and they had moments as a tag team with Omos in the ring tearing up shit. But it comes down to what you do by yourself and it just fell so short and speaking of AJ AJ Styles back on NXT this week confronting Grayson Waller they have a match set for this Tuesday in the main event big spotlight for Grayson Waller Grayson if you fuck this up you're on the Omos trail of like (laughs) of disappointments of the year like you better have the match of your life against AJ Styles there's no excuse but I love this integration of the main roster on NXT it's like the old days crazily enough of the black and gold brand when they're at full so you get the cameos from the shield and you get the cameos from a a Tyson kid, a Natalia helping Charlotte Flair along. You get the stars of today who are already made to the main from the main roster to NXT to get the future stars ready for the main roster. I love that relationship. We had it going in 2019 until Vince gave up on it. Like this was a good idea to bolster your viewership, to get your stars ready, offer fresh matchups that can really grab fans. And they had that via Survivor Series and they dropped the ball on it all. And now in ratings kind of free fall, you got to call the reserves, call the AJs up and say, can you come down to Orlando, do a match or two and really get somebody over like a Grayson Waller. We had Whittle do the same thing with MSK, a great mashup that originally was supposed to be Jeff Hardy, but it still worked out because that's how you integrate the main roster with NXT to get your stars over and maybe get people from the main roster who's not doing much on your TV shows to NXT and add value to your show every Tuesday. And I got about 10 people 
you can bring back down to Orlando right now and help this crew out in a big way. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on NXT being more main roster friendly and acknowledging title reigns again from the main roster to NXT saying outside of Charlotte Flair, your reigns do count on this show. Once again, we're not completely killing off what NXT was by bringing a bit of the old and the new to the mix. I mentioned it earlier when we talked about the women's tag titles, you know, Vince McMahon, now that this is his brainchild, just seems more, you know, inclined to do stuff like this. And I think it's a great idea. I'm very high on Grayson Waller. I think Grayson Waller is another one of those guys. You know, we talked about Braun, Carmelo, Bivens. I think Grayson Waller's right there. I think he is, he has legit heat with that audience like people seem to genuinely not like him and that's very rare nowadays so this and i agree with you keila this match with aj needs to be a banger it needs to be on par with what we saw uh last week you know with new year's evil those are three great matches and he needs to have a great match there's no reason he shouldn't either in the main event um so I, I'm all for this. I, I remember back in the days when they would come down and certain people would come down and it would make me more intrigued. I remember Randy Orton went down. CM Punk went down as WWE champion and had a, like a tag match with Seth Rollins, I think. Those things are intriguing. They're interesting. They they make you want to tune in because it's like, well, who's he going to interact with? You know, who's going to get the rub? Who's, who's going to get the, to mingle with the main roster guy? And now that you've really kind of separated it a little bit more, I think now is even more impactful like when you saw AJ Styles was going to come down it felt like a bigger deal than normal because you're not you don't see that a lot and this is like a newer generation of newer guys so I love it and I I really hope that they that Grayson Waller shows out and puts on a show because this is a huge opportunity for him not just in front of like the fans but in front of the brass too because I bet you they're sending AJ and saying if you can't have a great match with AJ you're not ready for the main roster in their eyes either no this is a big test and Grayson Waller I've seen him in the ring he's got potential but this is now the time to put together a fully realized match against a Hall of Famer in AJ Styles. If you don't do that, young man, you're going to be on NXT for a very long time. It's not going to be a promotion for you, so to speak, anytime soon. And that's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good way to test where you are now versus where you can be on the main roster very, very soon. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on NXT and the main roster coming together more often as WWE acknowledges NXT as their child once again? Because at one point, they were the abandoned child on the streets. They were not acknowledged. Your title reigns didn't matter. Your accomplishments did not matter. I was very happy when the Street Profits were acknowledged as Triple Crown champions. Really? They won on NXT too? Those, those reigns count again? Thank you very much. It's a good idea. They can use a lot of those new interactions. Again, we talked about fresh matchups. It's a good way to do that. There needs to be a reason for them. I kind of like that, like Riddle working with MS uh, or MSK as the uh, shaman and things. I mean, those skits were goofy and things, but it led to a hell of a good tag team match. That six-man tag on uh, New Year's Evil was a lot of fun. As long as they have a story and they have a reason to be there, I think it could be terrific. And they've done a decent job with that with AJ. I mean, we're not totally sure why AJ's upset with Waller, other than I guess he disrespected Gargano, but we're not allowed to say Gargano's name anymore because it doesn't work there. But uh, the if they have a story and they have an idea, uh, I think it could only help. And like I said, they've let it go a lot of the guys, the veterans that these guys were allegedly supposed to work with. So if this is a one way to bring them in, 
maybe uh, create a little intrigue with uh, fans and bring up the ratings a little bit. I think if it's done correctly, it could only help everybody involved. Absolutely. And now it is time to discuss my main topic for NXT this week, besides people being let go, unfortunately, and New Year's Evil. I must talk about Scott's boy, his longtime close personal friend, Von Wagner, and that promo he cut on Tuesday. When I tell you that he was scared to death and that his eyes were roaming to find the words in his head to remember every solitary line. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Like he is so lost. A baby deer caught in the headlights on live TV and he's struggling to remember every line. And it's not that many lines. And he was struggling to find the sentences to string together. I was like, oh my goodness. I already say over and over and over again, you're not ready for TV, but to do that promo in the most unconvincing way possible, scared to death. I just realized, no, go away. You need refinement. You need more time to yourself off camera. You need to go back in the lab, figure it out. And then he does one great angle slam. He can't even get into a fight right with the crowd. Just, oh my God, this was just levels of not ready i have seen on tv in a very long time and i feel for von wagner i truly do maybe one day in a far 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 distant future he'll be ready for this but on this night on tuesday this man was not ready for a mic he was not ready to talk into the mic he was not ready for the camera to be on he was not ready for any of this and to see a man searching with his eyes rolling around for words that was something that i do not want to see on my tv again but scott defend your man because according to you on planet five he is exceptional earth two two. by way of planet five no at this point it's planet five (laughs) it's planet five sir it's like not even earth two i can't give him credit like what what color is the sky in that world scott i'm asking (laughs) what color is the sky it's a red sky it's It's a a red red sky. sky Does Braun Breaker have two left feet in that world? Is that what's going on? <laughs> there how, is how, no how, Braun Breaker. Oh. Braun Breaker hasn't come yet. Oh, oh I, my goodness. That's it. I ain't going. He's Rex Steiner in our world. Oh, oh. wow. He's now you're just hitting low. Now you're just hitting low. <laughs> oh, wow. The Steiner he was meant to be. Wow. So, Scott, defend your man on this night because I can't defend him. So, defending him, I can't do either. But as far as an alternative idea, like... I just I don't know why they keep throwing him out there in these situations. Um, You see that he's not good at cutting promos like that's just not what he does. What he's seems to be decent or okay at is just being a big goof. Like, just let that man just be a big goof out there. Like, why can't he just be the guy standing in Diamond Mine now? You don't have to do anything. (laughs) Just let that dude just stand there and bug eye people. I think he'd be great in that role. Bivens can actually probably bring some personality to him. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact, are we trying to turn Andre Chase babyface? <laughs> what are we? What are we doing with that? Like, why? What is? Because that's the easy way to turn him babyface. Because nobody's going to root for Vaughn. So I can tell you, nobody's rooting for Big Daddy V. But we're wasting our time with Andre Chase. That's that's what we're doing. If there was one character that is almost as annoying as Von Wagner, it's Andre Chase. Yeah. And you got these two in a program together now. 
Oh, this is this is this is going to be must see TV. I know I have at least ten minutes of NXT every week that I can DVR skip. I mean, it's something I have to look forward to. I have time to make food. I have time to probably eat it, depending on how long the segment is. But I know I have that for at least the next couple of weeks because I do not need to see Andre Chase and Von Wagner on the screen together at any point in time anymore. Oh, we must for the comedy of it, because it's like it's like green <laughs> kryptonite interacting with the metallics and they just don't click there's no reaction no one gets sick they have no powers and they're just neutralized together this is negative chemistry on display at least andre chase tries every single week there is a line every week that makes me laugh saying if that dude got chucked from the roof my enrollment would have went down so here here's your scholarship to andre chase university at least he's doing more for the educational system than america is so good for andre chase keeping the for-profit university alive so steven what are your thoughts on the promo stylings of Von Wagner, who, as we speak, is still searching for the words? Von Wagner did accomplish one thing that I wasn't convinced was possible until I saw it on Tuesday. Somehow he managed to look like he was reading cue cards when there were no cue cards to read. <laughs> I don't think we should overlook this. This is amazing. <laughs> I think it's a great call. I think every, that's a great call because he was certainly looking at something. He was glancing off camera every few words like he was Bob Hope reading his monologue. And I'm just like, what is he doing? <laughs> Who's over there? And I keep thinking it's got to be his producer, whoever wrote the promo with him. And he was just like, I, I, he wanted to be like, did you hear me? You gave me a line and I said it. That was it, wasn't it? That was it. You heard me? I gave, you gave me a line. I said the line. And I think he's just looking over there for some court of approval. Who's over there? I want to know who's over there. But uh, so- someone needs to tweet that. It's sitting on the, the camera side to see, like, who's who's Von looking at? I just want to know who's over there. But, yeah, boy, uh, pretty brutal. It was bad. It was really bad. But fortunately, ladies and gentlemen, our 2017 Warrior Rumble review will be better than Von Wagner's promo coming to you very soon via the Feige Media Network Plus. We got you covered. Hopefully we will get to talk about future Hall of Famer Randy Orton dominating that year's Rumble and the classic match between John Cena and AJ Styles for the WWE Championship, which was my match of the year until we had Pete Dunne. And Tyler Bade in NXT TakeOver Chicago that year. That Those two matches were great. We're going to go back in time, recapturing the magic of the 2017 Warrior Rumble only on Fike Media Plus. Fike Media Network Plus via Patreon.com slash Media. Sign up today for five bucks a month to get all the good content you need to get through your week for all combat sports and pro wrestling. And while you're listening to us, give us a five-star review as well. Thank you for your support. We appreciate an easy thing to do to make sure you find us in the algorithm more often. Give us more love right here on the Fike Media Network via the free feed. And now it is now time to talk about Friday Night Smackdown on Fox and My goodness, I thought this was a very busy week for WWE. And then they literally knock down the forbidden door as we are getting ready for the Royal Rumble in a few weeks time. And Charlotte Flair comes out and she basically says, here's a video package for the women so far declared for the Women's Royal Rumble. And I'm looking at the names. I'm like, okay, 
the veterans, the Bella Twins. I see Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley, Carmella, Zelina Vega, Naomi. I see a lot of prime names from today's WWE. And I'm thinking, Michelle McCool, okay, now we're getting back to the 2018 Warrior Rumble, Lita, oh, the good memories. And then Mickey James's name pops up, current knockouts women's champion of Impact Wrestling. And I'm like, wait a minute, timeout pause. Is this the right tape? Is this really the 2018 Warrior Rumble or is this today? And then Pat McAfee says, Impact Wrestling on WWE TV. And this is real. And WWE just dropped a video package like Beyonce dropped a surprise album. Surprise! Look at all the names we got for the Warrior Rumble. And they're unbelievable names. Summer Rae as well is added to this list. I love Summer Rae beefing with Natalia already on Twitter, living back their days on Total Divas. So Summer Rae understands her job to get in Natalia's face at the Rumble in a few weeks' time. But WWE hitting the bat signal and calling Impact Wrestling of all places. Hey, guys, I hear you have this forbidden door and anybody can walk through. Can we walk through too? We need some help because we fired too many fucking people last year and we left Mickey's shit in the trash bag at the Thunderdome and we feel bad about it, but we want to offer a make good by having her in the Rumble match as your champion on our show. Let's make it happen. And Impact was more than happy to say, hey, we need the pub, we need the PR, we need the publicity, we need the buzz for our pay-per-view, which was very good last night, by the way, hard to kill. Very good show for Impact wrestling and here we are in 2022 wwe picked up the phone and called impact wrestling unbelievable steven what are your thoughts about wwe knocking on the forbidden door and walking through it by calling of all people impact wrestling I was as surprised as everybody else. I had the same moment that you referred to where I was watching it on the DVR and I had to back it up to do the little six second backup. I was like, wait a minute, did I just hear Pat McAfee say that? (laughs) The question is, what does this really mean? Like you said, they fired everybody. It's like they fired all these people and then they were looking around just like, okay, we need 30 names to the Rumble. How many we got? Six. Crap. And they were just like, oh, God. All right, go back. Get the Rolodex out. We can always call Michelle. You know, they, we can always call. Uh, Summer Ray's a nice touch, like you said. Uh, they're, you know, they brought back the Bellas. They're always around if we can get them. And they, so Mickey James, it was like they got to 28, 29. Like, oh, God, well, I think we're going to have to call her. <laughs> like, we, we, we haven't fired. We haven't, well, we did fire. Well, we, we can just call her and see if she'll come back. And it's interesting to see, is does this actually mean anything? Or is it simply a matter of the numbers game where they just had to find 30 women? And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of NXT women in this. Uh, I, I'm guessing, you know, Cora Jade and some of the others will be making their Rumble debuts. But it does seem like they maybe felt like they needed to make a little bit of a splash and perhaps bringing back, uh, you know, Lay Cool and Kelly Kelly and all that. All right. Well, we did that a couple of years ago. What would surprise people? Well, Mickey coming back would surprise people. And it did. Will it mean that there's actually some sort of working together going forward? That I'm just not convinced of because WWE just Vince Vince sees himself on this other plane where we're not doing really professional wrestling. We're doing we're a, an entertainment conglomerate and we're making movies and we're do, we're we're doing all this stuff that's we're not pro wrestling. That's for the, the, that wrestling stuff is is gone and that's beneath us. And so I, are they going to continue to work with Impact? 
I don't really see why they would. I don't know the advantage to WWE or the way they would see an advantage to it from the fans' perspective. We would like to see some of it. Moose is already working on it. I don't know if you saw Moose tweeted, hey, Roman Reigns, since there's no forbidden door. Okay, Moose, take care of yourself. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't see them trying to lift him up at all. But, you know, and that's the question is like, what, what would be the benefit actually for WWE to continue to do this? I, I, it was fun. It was an interesting moment right there. I'm not totally convinced that it wasn't uh, anything more than uh, we need 30 women for the rumble and Mickey's one of them. Yeah, it was definitely a stunning video package that yeah. normally you wouldn't pay attention to. And the names just <laughs> kept rolling and rolling and rolling. Then Mickey James like, oops, record scratch. What? Is this real? But yeah. I love it because it gave this match a lot of attention that was kind of lacking because they cut a lot of people and you wondered how they were going to fill 30 slots. And now you have an answer. We still got maybe 11 slots to go in terms of who's going to be in this match, which could provide more surprises. I would love to see an Eve Torres come back, who's been pregnant the last couple of times a rumble's <laughs> taking place. So she hasn't been able to be there. I'm wondering, where's Eve at? Oh, she's had another baby. Okay, I can, un I can understand that. Forgivable. I do want to see her back too as well. Maybe Caitlin. Somebody get on the phone, call some folks up to fill out these spots. But it's really telling that Impact Wrestling has all the keys to all the companies and say, come through. We got a key for you. We need some you need some help. Call us. I love Impact Wrestling in the year 2022 on their 20th anniversary, having the keys to every promotion and being basically an outpost for professional wrestling. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on that video package that dropped hyping the Women's Warrior Rumble and having Mickey James's name flash on the screen as their current reigning defending knockout women's champion. I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I called Impact the uh, the airport of professional wrestling because everybody goes there and makes a stop. And sometimes when they're making a stop, they just mingle with each other. You know, Jonah, for example, Jonah or um, uh, Bronson Reed, who was in WWE formerly, he's making a stop in Impact as I'm sure he's on his way to New Japan. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what people do in Impact. And I, I think it's really cool that Impact is kind of it's kind of like the Switzerland of wrestling. Everybody just kind of goes there and gets along. You know what I mean? Like it's the neutral spot of wrestling. It seems like they're the only company that is able to genuinely get along with. I think they've opened the door probably more than anybody as far as different companies coming in and out and whatnot. And this WWE thing, that's that's mind blowing to some people to think about that, you know, Um I am curious, you know, Stephen, you bring up a good point about what's going to happen with this after the fact, you know, after after the match and whatnot. Do they like does Deanna Peraza make a surprise appearance and eliminate Mickey James from the Rumble? Does whoever eliminates Mickey James from the Rumble show up in Impact and maybe challenge for the title? Obviously, you wouldn't send like a Charlotte Bailey or somebody like that, but you know. Maybe like a there's like an Io Shirai or somebody like that, you know, somebody that's on NXT that you're not using on the main roster. Do you let them eliminate a Mickey, send them down to Impact, and you know, kind of give them their match? Um, and then, yeah, you know, obviously they traded, they swapped, they let Mickey come in, and they gave him Tom Phillips. So there's an even trade there. So uh, <laughs> they got that working for him. But I, I like Tom, so I, I'm actually really happy for them for Tom and Impact. I think he's a good fit there. But Stephen, I, I do agree with you. You bring up a good point. What does this mean? Long term, I would love to see maybe even one or two impact guys in the Royal Rumble. You know, the chances of that happening, what are they? But I, 
I'd love this, even if it's just a guy who has been in WWE before, so you don't have to like introduce somebody. But I, I would really like to see that, or even a Gail Kim. I think she's some a legend that you could bring back for the women's too, and fill that. But I, I'm with you, Stephen. I'm wondering what is the aftermath of this? Yeah, I just don't see WWE thinking of Impact as something they work with. I think they probably just did it as a favor and say, hey, we'll mention your your championship on our TV. That should help, right? You know, and and yeah, I mean, it did get the name out in front of more people than 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 watch Impact, so it probably will help. I I'm skeptical about WWE working with anyone because they just don't see themselves as being on the same plane as these companies, at least publicly. Their public statements toward AEW are dismissive, let alone toward toward Impact. I just don't see them doing things to help impact uh, i just it just maybe they, maybe maybe things are changing but it's vince and the idea of him sending io shirai down there to get some extra attention for impact maybe impact negotiated something like that i'd like to think so i'd enjoy seeing it skeptical as to whether or not wwe would do it there's just so much you can do with this it's like so many like cool interactions like Think if MSK happens to show up in the Rumble and Trey Miguel were to show up in the Rumble and you, sure. you know, you kind of, you know what I mean? Oh or, yeah, no, I love it. But. I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I'm with you, Steve. Like, I, I think you're, you're more than likely right. And this is just me being overly optimistic and just hoping for the best. But I more than likely should be expecting the worst. And they've done things in the past. It's not impossible. They used to work with New Japan for a while. I mean, if you look way back, you know, they've, they've worked with uh, New Japan way back in the day. They've worked with All Japan before back in the 90s and things it's, it's but it's been a, a real while they they did some things with smoky mountain they did some things with like so i'm not saying it's impossible. Was on nxt a, like 10 years ago yeah and so it's not impossible but i i uh, well I, fingers crossed fingers crossed yeah. yes if they actually form a relationship that goes beyond what AEW did with Impact last year, that would be very telling. The fact that WWE picked up the phone, gave him a call and said, we need Mickey James. Let's go. I would assume that Impact is owed something as compensation. I don't know what that is yet besides name drop our championship. It's got to be something of value to say we got our champ in your rumble. What do we get in return for our television mm -hmm. show? We'll, right. It's got to be something. Tom Phillips, <laughs> which is an Tom upgrade Phillips. from Max Stryker. That is Absolutely. a big upgrade because Matt Stryker, Lord have mercy, just Ooh. no terrible. But thank God Tom Phillips has a job on impact, a far superior announcer in our eyes. Next up, and also I want to make mention that Charlotte Flair is in the Warrior Rumble match and whoever eliminates her, that must mean something, we hope, to God. It must mean something to eliminate the queen. Hopefully she gets eliminated, you mean? Oh, God, if she wins the whole thing, that's just embarrassing. Hopefully she gets eliminated. She when has we, to. Is there any word on when Bailey's coming back? I do not know. I do not know. I, I know she's been teasing a lot about what she wants to do about the Rumble. I hope she's there. We don't yeah. know. But someone of a name value must eliminate Charlotte Flair. Yeah, absolutely right. Yes. It's going to be a horsewoman. It's got to be. people who are allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I know they're, you're right. they're the only people who are allowed to do that. They're not going to give it. It should be Bianca or Rhea, but they're not going to do that. They had to double team her yeah. to eliminate her last year, the year before. So it's going to be one. Of, it's going to be Bailey. I think you called it, Stephen. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's probably going to be a returning Bailey to eliminate her and set up their match. And Sasha's out two months. Can't be her. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, yeah you're, running, you're running out of options. 
Yeah, the possibilities are endless. Hopefully the right person eliminates Charlotte. If she wins this whole rumble, throw the whole pay-per-view away. I'm already saying it right now. Like that is the ultimate. What punishment for Charlotte Flynn when she wins the entire rumble? That would be something to see. Hopefully it doesn't happen though. Now I do want to get into NXT with the main roster a bit because I see potential in two guys that fit the mode of the biggies, big men going out there, hossing around, got strength for days that are big, strong, but you know what? They're not exactly big jacked up guys. They're very muscular, but they're athletic, agile, and very, very strong. And I see a lot of potential in Rick Boogs, who has a great personality, asks himself, him Bench pressing Sami Zayn with ease on Friday blew my mind with the press slam as well. He's very talented. But I also want to look at Matt Camoss, who I hate as a character, by the way. I hate his character. But why in the hell does Vince has this guy hiding his physique? And Vince is all about physique. He's all about body. This guy comes out looking like Drew McIntyre light via the kilt and suspenders. And this guy has a nice physique, really easy on the eyes. Yes, I'm very shallow on this show. Don't care. But he looks great. And he's smaller than he was in NXT a few years ago. So he's like more defined and not as jacked up. But he's talented. He does have skills as a wrestler. And I like his potential outside of the stupid gimmick that is going to get him the worst possible heat, which is go away heat. So when we look at their potential, I see guys that could actually break through on SmackDown by being in the middle tier, vying for the Intercontinental Championship whenever Shinsuke Nakamura drops it to Sami Zayn. I like their potential. Do you see something in these two guys that screams, hey, this could be someone to look out for in early 2022, possibly via the Royal Rumble? They won't win it, but they can make a good impression, Scott. Yeah, I especially see something in Rick Boogs. And I think the company sees something in him, too. Like, they're giving him these elaborate entrances. They're letting Pat McAfee really feed into the entrances. And as you've noticed, I almost feel like they're using Shinsuke and the Intercontinental title as a way to say, you know, here's the Intercontinental and Shinsuke, but look at Rick Boogs, who's with Shinsuke and the Intercontinental champion. Look at what he can do. So, yeah, I, I think there is something to him as far as a, I think he's got something. He's got a good personality. The people are already kind of chanting along with his entrance. They're, they're going along with that. You mentioned the spot where he did the suplex, dropped down to both knees got back up. It looked like Sammy was, or they were thinking about canceling or like, like changing plans. And, and he was like, nah, I'm picking you back up. Picked him back up from both knees, went to one knee and then stood back up with him. Just incredibly strong and impressive. Mad Cat Moss or Riddick Moss is from when, I, when he used to wrestle during the pandemic. I remember him. Yeah, he's got a great physique, but I think Baron Corbin's got a fine physique. Like, it, you know, with the tattoos and everything, like, I think he's got a good look too. I don't know what the obsession is with. Or maybe it's just Corbin. Maybe it's anybody associated with Corbin. They have to wear a shirt and 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 look like a waiter or something, or look like they they work at a tiki bar. I, I don't I don't understand what the deal is with Corbin and having to cover up his physique. I know he's talked about it on podcast, saying he knows people hate it, so he's going to continue to do it. But I'm with you on Moss, like. Even his character would even seem like it would fit to have just like an open shirt where you can see the physique, you know, like an open kind of button down. But I think he's he's a good worker, too. But I think there's more with Boogs because of his personality. 
And I think he's been able to connect more with the crowd, with his personality. And I think they just, they genuinely like him better. So when he does decide to go off, I think there's going to be more for him. But I think Riddick is a better worker in the ring. Agreed. And both guys came from the original black and gold NXT system. So Vince got them to the portal before he hated NXT for what it was once and for all. So Steven, what are your takes on Rick Boogs and Riddick Moss possibly hopefully having potential on SmackDown this year as guys that has potential to really be top flight stars if WWE season in them. I think Scott hit it on the nail on the head quite a bit. Boogs has the personality. Moss is a little bit better worker. Might not always be that way, but that's where we are right now. Moss was really good against Drew McIntyre at day one. That was an impressive match, really. It wasn't, you know, like it wasn't, you know, blow away match of the night. There were others that were better, but he absolutely did his part. Drew McIntyre is a good worker, and that was a good match. I would hope that that would open some eyes a little bit, that there is more potential in Moss than perhaps being a buffoonish character standing next to another buffoonish character. Boogs is crazy strong, yes, and he just needs to be uh, featured a little bit more. And, and, And he does seem to be the focus of this intercontinental thing. I worry that because of the silly gimmick that he's got a ceiling and same thing for Moss. Obviously they both need to get out of what they're doing. Boogs can be a goofy guy in a way and still get over. I think uh, it, maybe not just with all the guitar playing and the things and I, I still enjoy it, but if he's going to be taken seriously as a real main event type contender, that's not the gimmick. Same thing with Moss. Both are capable of it. I don't see why not. And uh, But I think Moss, I'm hoping, opened the, uh, some people's eyes because I think that match with Drew surprised a lot of people. Thinking, oh, this guy's a little bit better than I remember him being. Yeah, he impressed me. The match went a little bit too long last Saturday, but I do like his potential a lot as a guy that can break through on SmackDown minus this lame-ass gimmick that is mm. not funny because it sucks. I hate it. I like yeah. him as a worker. I hate the character with every fiber of my being. So if they leave that alone this year, that'll make me very happy. As we segue into the final angle from Friday's show, which was fantastic. As Roman Reigns saw his cousin, Zuso's defend their SmackDown tag team titles against the New Day in a great street fight. I love these two teams respectfully i truly do i do not want to see another match between them anytime soon we have run this feud into the ground i want this done for a bit but once the usos won with the 1d or the d1 the day one in my eyes as they put kofi through the table for the win we hear a knock on the door and if you pay close attention this knock is to the tune of the shield theme music and roman says come in and lo and behold seth rollins walks to the door for code and all laughing at Roman Reigns. And I love this because Adam Pierce called in the guy. Hey, Seth, you want your brand to brand invitational clicked in, ready to go for the Warrior Rumble against the tribal chief, your former friend from the shield, your partner, your road dog, Roman Reigns. How about it? Of course, Seth says yes, because this man, despite winning a ladder match, did not get a one-on-one match for the WWE championship at day one. Finally, 
Seth gets his solo match one-on-one against a champion, and it's Roman Reigns. I love this twist. I know this is a last-minute thing due to Drew McIntyre being injured, unfortunately. Bad neck situation. Hopefully nothing too serious that's going to keep him out of action long-term. But I love the backup plan, something we've all talked about on this show a lot, about Seth possibly having next on Roman Reigns. Is it too soon? Maybe, but it's going to be a great match nonetheless, Steven. So what are your thoughts on Seth Rollins being the guy to walk through Roman Reigns this forbidden door to wrap up SmackDown on Friday. Well, I think it'll be a good match, but I think the operating term is any port in a storm at this point, and they are in a storm. They had Drew McIntyre lined up, Drew's hurt. They have utterly failed to build another babyface for Roman whatsoever. He has run through everybody on that brand pretty much. So, with that in mind, the only thing they could do is go to the red side and While it has been a while since Seth and Roman have tangled, it still doesn't quite feel fresh to me anyway, but it'll be a good match. It'll be something to keep Roman busy and uh, on the way to the Big Brock showdown, someone's got to take the spear of the Superman punch and lose, and it looks like it's going to be Seth. And the good news about it is the match will be terrific when it's going on. But I don't think, I'm not sure it goes a whole lot further than that. I think it was just a matter of, oh, crap, there's nobody else. And uh, with that, uh, you know, Seth can't, the the one great thing about having a utility player like Seth Rollins is put him in. You'll get a really solid 15 minutes of TV when you need it. And uh, that's what we're going to get from that one. Yeah, that's really telling when nobody on SmackDown is worthy of a shot against Roman Reigns because he ran through everybody. I would say King Woodsy, but. I don't know if WWE wants to go there. They're out of options. Seth is the last guy that fits the bill as a dream match for Roman Reigns. That would have been great sometime this year. But hey, let's do it now. It's going to be great. It's going to be very entertaining. And that is a match like Roman versus Brock that can be unpredictable that would have been the case of day one and you get the same case with Brock and Lashley you don't know how this is going to end you kind of can predict this but you still don't know it's up to WWE because Seth I think was maybe going to win the championship at day one until plans changed so Scott what are your thoughts on Seth and Roman going at it for the Universal Championship at the Rumble I'm actually really excited about it because we you know, to Steven's point, they they did face off a lot for that stretch, especially when Seth came back from his injury. They had like three or four matches in a row. But we haven't seen them face off with this iteration of Roman. I, I just feel like this Roman is just on a completely different level um, as far as just his character work. Even his in-ring work, he slowed things down from when he was a babyface. He's not running around the ring. And when he does, and he hits you with that clothesline. It means a little bit more because he's not hitting you with three or four of them in a row like he was as a baby face. So I think this match is going to feel different. What I'm curious is, is because I don't I'm torn on this because I we're going to have a great match. But if you're not going all the way and turning Seth Rollins back into Seth freaking Rollins, burn it down, Seth Rollins. And full on babyface mode that we all know and love and, and really got behind and is one of the few people to beat Brock clean. I don't know if I like this because I, I feel like it's a waste. This should be used to turn Seth back into a full blown babyface. And maybe that is where they're going, but it just doesn't seem like it with him still doing the laugh and him still rocking the coats and all that stuff. I I don't know, man. I, I I'm happy for the match, but I'm just torn on what's going to happen afterwards. I don't I don't want Seth to just 
act like nothing happened. I want to change out of this. I, I feel like when you, I feel like Roman should be kind of like how the fiend was. Anytime somebody faced the fiend, they would change afterwards. If they were a good guy, they became a bad guy. If they were a bad guy, they became a good guy. I feel like it should kind of be the same way with Roman. I feel like after you face a guy like Roman, you should come out of that differently. You should come out of that change. And if I'm Seth Rollins, I'm pissed off. I would much rather face Big E than Roman Reigns for a one-on-one title match. I'm pissed off about that. Or better yet, let me face Brock again. I've already beat Brock. So... That's why I'm confused as like, what are they going to do with Seth Rollins as a character? I just think for him to go at Roman, he's got to be full blown, lose the coat. Let's go back to Monday Night Rollins. I'm burning it down and I'm taking your title because I think there's a great story there. But I don't know if this Rollins is the one to tell it. No, and I think Roman will be the guy to say, who is this before me? Who is this Seth Rollins, the laughing hyena guy that I used to roll with all these years ago as a part of the show? You're no real threat to me. And maybe that can wake up the Seth Rollins we know and love, the fiery baby face that can get the crowd behind him. And you need that at the Rumble. I think he can get the fans in his corner, but it requires Roman to really tear down Seth on the mic to say, you're not the guy I used to know. You're not the killer guy that I would roll with back in the day. You're not the guy I would call in case of an emergency. You're the guy I would laugh at and I would laugh at your fashion choices because you suck as a stylist and you suck as a guy that would break into somebody's house. Like, where is the Seth Rollins that was the fighter, the champion, the guy that I would roll with back in the day? If Roman can tear him down, which I know he can on the mic, this does have legs, but it's dependent on what WWE decides to do as to, uh, as to how far they will go with this storyline heading into the Warrior Rumble. You need some layers to it. It's a nice idea. It's desperate times obviously because they don't have anybody but you can make Seth into a babyface in a promo if they know how to do it and speaking of lack of stars on Smackdown and the Warrior Rumble and times being tough for WWE and they've managed things well when they're back to the corner but Sometimes in life, you have some regret, some remorse about some cuts you made last year. And they've cut over 80 something people over the last year and a half, which is too many people that were cut in my eyes. A lot of people with potential that could still be in WWE today and quite possibly they could come back because look at Mickey James, even as for a night via the Women's Warrior Rumble. It's somebody that they cut in the last year or so to say, we need you for the Rumble. So if you had the power, if you were a younger, smarter, less senile Vince McMahon, if you had the keys to WWE, if you sat in that chair, and if you had the power to bring back one person that was cut from WWE, who would it be and why, Scott? Who is that one name you would say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it, come back? So I, I know I know the real sexy answer here is Keith Lee. You know, I know that's that's a guy that a lot of people want to bring in. I think I'm going with Swerve Scott. I think that's a guy that you can bring in. And Stephen, you mentioned something earlier that I it's really why I, I had Swerve Scott in my as my pick, but you brought up something earlier that's really important to that. Everybody does the same things. Everybody's got the same kind of move sets, obviously outside of like their finishers and maybe like their their key moves. Everybody does the same things. You know, you know where you're gonna get your dive. The dives are all the same. All the frog splashes look the same unless you're Montez Ford. Everything looks the same. Swerve Scott, his entire move set is different. Everything he does is different. When he was on NXT, 
there was a period of time for like two months and he wrestled every week where he was pulling out a different move every week, a different counter every week. And he wouldn't do the same move two weeks in a row. That's what made it special. He would he would do a different count. Like I remember one week he did a front flip over the ropes, put his hands on the apron and landed on his feet in front of whoever was outside of the ring. The next week he did like a handstand on the rope and then do the front flip and did a handstand this time. Like he does something different every week. And when he got to bring Hit Row out, he got to show off his personality and be who he really is. You know, this recording artist who's got this swag and this charisma to him but can go in the ring and hang with anybody. I think Swerve Scott is a guy that WWE, I I think they really dropped the ball with because he can talk, he can go with anybody. And I think Hit Row was just waiting to explode. And that's that's a big miss for me is, is Hit Row. And so Swerve Scott would definitely be the guy I would bring back and I would have him win the Rumble and I, I would push him to the moon. I, I think he's that good. Agreed. The Hit Row release always will continue to boggle my mind as they were so over in NXT, they get caught up and they can't survive a month after being drafted to SmackDown. That is still a stunning cut to me after all of this time. So, Stephen, if you had the power to get somebody back in the portal for the main Rumble and beyond, who would it be and why? Well, I'm going sexy. It's Keith Lee for me. It still blows my mind that they missed the boat on that man. And I I can't get over it. I haven't been over it since they missed it. And I just don't get it. I understand that Keith's promo style is odd. It's not the most fiery thing in the world. But who on earth looks like him and can do those things? I can't think of another person. And I know that he and Dijakovic are both uh, wrestling soulmates and that their matches together just seem to flow perfectly. But Dijakovic looks like a guy who can do that stuff. You know, he does. He's bigger than most of the people that can do that stuff. But he looks like a guy. Lee does not look like a guy that could do those stuff. I am a little partial. I'm living in Texas right now. I saw Keith very, very early in his career for a company called Inspire Pro Wrestling when he was very, very new. And when that guy grabbed the top rope and launched himself into a perfect plancha to splatter into three guys at ringside who were probably seeing God for the first time in their lives watching that guy come down at him. <laughs> it... it absolutely blew it away and i just thought i have never seen this is something that i've been watching wrestling since i was six seven years old i have not seen a guy like this and uh, he when he was in the royal rumble keith lee got an honest to goodness ooh from the crowd when he squared off with some of the major people he was in nxt at the time still and when he squared off with brock when he scared squared off with a couple other main roster stars there was an honest to goodness buzz in the crowd like oh i kind of want to see what's going to happen here you don't get that all that often and yet they still managed to do nothing with the dude on the main roster at all and uh i'm still flabbergasted by the whole thing and i I absolutely think that that's a guy that uh if there's a do-over to be had uh swerve scott excellent choice definitely an underrated talent but to miss the boat that badly on keith lee i'm i'm still flummoxed yes and i have to agree with steven i have his pen i'm going to co-sign everything he said about keith lee that cut when I saw the name in November, I could not believe it because you missed a boat on a guy that could have been Roman Reigns' opponent at any pay-per-view in the last year or so. Like, you have the tapes and the footage of the 2019 Survivor Series. The last two guys were Keith Lee and Roman Reigns, and the fans were going ballistic were for that it. finish. Into the energy. It. 
the energy was everything. You go back to NXT, the golden days of Full Cell. They love this guy. You think about the matches he had with Dijakovic at TakeOvers and on TV. They really got that show up and running on USA. It was a fresh matchup that you did not see on the network at the time. Keith Lee breaking through. Vince saw something and then you get him on the main roster and you try to change everything Keith Lee is. His music inexplicably was changed. You tell him, shave your beard. We don't need that anymore. Cover up. Like, let this man show his fucking belly. He is a guy. Right. Like, right. let this that's, guy. That's who he is. Yes. Well, more than that, you it's saw the him. point of him. The point is he doesn't look like he can do it, and then he does. Right. Yes. That's like, literally the point off. of Keith Lee. God damn it. Oh, Jesus. I know. Again. I know. But it's true, though. Like, let this man, let this man's belly be free. Why you got, like, a, a, a outfit on him and oversized shorts like why are we doing this changing keith lee completely the tennis shorts and they the tennis shorts in a tennis skirt to begin yes, with the first day a tennis oh, skirt Lord. i'll never forget when we're excited keith lee debuts on monday night raw and you hear bask in his glory and then you hear nothing from that song like what in the hell i knew then Something was going to be off. And he mm-hmm. tried to say, listen, I got to roll with it. I said, we can't roll with them changing your music. That music was classic. It was Fire. you rapping yourself to the ring. It had bars. And for you to get generic rock music, like what in the world are we doing here? You strip everything that made him special. You can't fly anymore. You can't do this. You can't do that. You're a bear cat now. Like, what are we doing with Keith Lee? And you fire him. And it's stupid. And I know if he picked up the phone, would he say yes? I don't know. But if I was Vince, I say, listen, Keith, you come back. You get to be you. I'm not going to tell you what to do anymore. I'm old. I don't know shit like I used to. I know Braun Breaker has it. That's all I know. I'm good every three months for a good idea. I've exceeded my limit for the year. But please come back. Be you. Be yourself. That's a guy that could have given Bobby Lashley, Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre legit runs for their money on the main roster. And I want them to make this right. I don't think they will. But in my fantasy, it happens. You bring up the Survivor Series, and let's not forget that he was down 2-1 to Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. So he had to go. He was going against the Shield, and he beat Seth Rollins. Like I think that's a great point you both bring up about the reactions that he was getting before the call-up and how people were just ready for him. When you have guys and girls that are ready to go and fans are ready for them, sometimes you just got to roll with them and just keep riding them until the, until the wheels fall off and they had two opportunities right there that you both brought up and they didn't do anything with and hey, you know what I'm gonna tell you what one thing AEW does very well is they'll make sure they'll get the most out of him for at least a good month I don't know what they'll do after that but that first month <laughs> yeah. he's there he's going to be a big deal and he's going to be presented very well and I don't know what's going to happen after that but we're, we got at least one good month of dominant main event Keith Lee coming our way. Oh, for sure. If he gets to Brian Danielson 13 week every match on Dynamite Rampage treatment, I'm all good. Like, give me that Keith Lee. If he flies around night one, here we are. I'm so happy. But oh, my goodness, what a moment that was squandered by WWE. And just think two years ago at the Warrior Rumble it's Keith Lee coming out and Brock Lesnar mouthing. That's a big motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> big too. I, I don't, <laughs> the hand motion too. I, big I, don't, guy. I, I still don't know how they didn't watch that match and just see 
I know it's the Royal Rumble, so you already have your WrestleMania planned. But for him to have those confrontations with those two, for someone just to write down SS for SummerSlam next to his name and just thinking, oh, that is who is going to main event slam against one of these guys. I, I don't, I, it, it's still, I, I can't wrap my head around just how badly they missed on the guy. Can't. It's frustrating. And in a perfect world, they realize your mistakes. And I have a feeling that there's going to be some returns to WWE this year, because I think there is some going to be some remorse regarding the lack of depth in some of these shows. And they got to call some folks like a Braun Strowman, maybe give Bray Wyatt a call. I don't know. I feel phone calls will be made to people that were cut to say, we're sorry. Let's restructure your contract. We miss you. We apologize. We'll see, because I think after the cuts in November, I honestly believe they cut too many people the last time around. But as always, we got a quarterly earnings report coming out in February. Get ready for more cuts right before the call or right after the call, because that's what they do. Yep. And then watch them squander WrestleMania season via who we got. Oh, who we fired. That's the question. Mm-hmm. They literally going to have to put everybody on the card for two nights. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're literally going to have to put yeah. everybody on the card to fill a two night WrestleMania. That's scary. I can only imagine. I'm worried about February because I know it's coming. The money's due for the year and budget cuts is coming. And I, I'm worried for some folks that were spared the last few times. And I know that's what they do is expected. They did it already via New Year's Eve where I have to take over because Vince loves firing people around the holidays. And he said, I'm going to come collect a few days later. And he sure enough did. But ah. Goodness gracious. It is now time for our favorite part of the show, which is our guilty pleasure slash avoid at all costs pick of the week. The things we love and hate in WWE, the things we know we shouldn't love, but we love anyway, and the things we hate for every justifiable reason. So, Stephen, after this very long week in WWE, which a lot of stuff has happened, by the way, too much stuff to count. But what is the one thing that gave you every guilty pleasure imaginable and that one thing you said, no, this is in it all right well my guilty pleasure and i cannot believe i'm saying this but i'm very curious to see what happens with wendy chu's sleeping girl gimmick from nxt for weeks now this woman has been popping up in the background of the various little skits that they do in the back and in the kitchen and in the weight room everywhere she's been everywhere sleeping everywhere apparently this entire gimmick is that this woman cannot stay awake she is in pajamas she's in a sleep mask all the time and we talked about it earlier that things have to be fresh you want things to be original and i have to say that i've never seen anybody with a gimmick of can't stay awake in pro wrestling it's a new one it's a new one. Got to say it's a new one. And she's finally having her first match next week. Uh, and uh, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I'm actually looking forward to seeing if she's any good or not, because it has kind of cracked me up a little bit that they'll do this whole thing. The camera pans. And then there's this, there's this woman who's sound asleep with a blanket in some incongruous place. So uh, I'm curious to see how they incorporate that into the match. Is she going to doze off in the corner? Is she just going to be like laying there with a line of drool coming out of her mouth as the match is going on? I, I, I what, Color me intrigued for a few minutes. I'm in. I was going to ask you that. Do you think she's going like, to be sleeping during the match? Do you think they're gonna, she's going to be sleeping till they tag her in? She yawns and then she starts throwing suplexes. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I think they could do something like that because, I mean, for the love of God, they don't. They, they have they built an entire gimmick around a man's jacket. I mean, things in NXT have been built on less. And uh, I think that might be where they go with this. And so uh, but I'm but I am curious to see. And my my avoid at all costs has got to be the 24 seven title thing with with Dana Brooke, who 
It's just, it's something for her to do. I understand that. I know that uh, USA wanted a 24-7 title for reasons known only to themselves. Uh, it's silly. It, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. I don't enjoy it. I don't get a kick out of it. Uh, and the other thing they managed to do, which is a new innovation in wrestling, is to have tag team matches without tags. They did two of them last week. Uh, Dana and Reggie against Tazawa and Tamina. They managed to have the people that began the match just end the match, and the others two just go through hair and makeup and get in their costumes, and then that's it. That's it for them. They just kind of stand on the apron. They did the same thing with Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash virtually with uh, Zelina Vega and Carmella. I guess Carmella Mello was hiding an injury, but they have managed to have tag team matches without tags now, and that's a, that's something new I could do without, but 24-7 stuff just isn't doing it for me. Luckily, it's about one or two minutes out of a, uh, a three-hour show, but if it's only one or two minutes out of a three-hour show, really makes you wonder why it's even there in the first place. Absolutely. So, Scott, what are your picks for Guilty Pleasure and what you were very happy to watch, but at the same time, why did I watch it? So my my guilty pleasure, I was going to say Grayson Waller, but then something just popped into my head and I I remember something that had me laughing very hysterically for a good bit. And that was Matt Riddle continuing to think he was a part of the Migos um, on Monday Night Raw with the chains and everything going on. Um, I understand he might have uh, he might have still been in the clouds, but uh, he definitely was not with the Migos anymore. I keep referring to them as the Migos thanks to WWE. WWE, by the way, I, I've been using that going forward as the Migos. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that aspect. And I also enjoyed Randy Orton kind of being like like, the old, like a dad and being like, all right, that's enough. Give me the chains. Give me all of it. It's, it's time to go to work. Let's, let's, let's take care of business. So uh, that I, I really enjoyed that backstage skit. That was a lot of fun. As far as what to avoid, um, I was torn on this one. I was I was really leaning heavily to the Naomi Charlotte match. I I didn't think it was that good of a match. I'm really not that high on Naomi as a wrestler. I think she's got a great personality and whatnot, and I think she would be a great addition to the bloodline as far as just her presence and just adding that female presence. And she could definitely carry herself and stand toe to toe with anybody. But I don't need to see her go 15 minutes with Charlotte Flair on TV. I, I just. Charlotte doesn't work well with some people in, in this match. So actually, I am going to go with this. I, I, I'm, you can skip this match, the Naomi-Charlotte match. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't very good. You're not missing anything. And it's obviously not leading to anything, or at least I hope not, because I don't need to see Naomi win the Rumble either. But I think she's a great personality. I just, I'm not a fan of her in ring. I'm surprised your personal friend, Sonya Deville, did not make this list. As she continues to get under your skin every single hey, week. I've already accepted that she just doesn't like black women in the workplace. I've already I've already <laughs> accepted what it is with her. She just has a she has a thing for Naomi and I don't know why. I'm just you know, that is what it is. But you're right. She was equally as annoying as always. And we still don't know why she doesn't like Naomi, even though Scott has a theory on that, which might be hey. a valid reason. They you know, prove me wrong. They've given me no reason not to think so. Yes, it's almost some, it's almost part yes. of the story that she won't say why, isn't it? Yes. Right. Right. Like, what is the reason we all want to know so we can just have this match and be done with it? Because it's been going on for well over five months now. Give us a resolution, WWE, please. And as for my guilty pleasure this week, I got to go with Maurice, the Miz's wife, because deep down in her soul, she knows her husband ain't shit. 
he says, who? <laughs> I mean, seriously, she knows. She gives him the look like, oh, so you would never put me in the line of fire. You would never use me as a human shield. You would never use me to win matches. Bitch, you're lying. And she knows he's lying. She gives him the look and she says, Mike, you would never. And she sees through this man's bullshit. And I love Maurice. She is the MVP of this feud with Edge and Beth Phoenix because she knows what's up. And she has to pretend like her husband is honorable and he cares about her in storyline, knowing full and well, this motherfucker would stab me in the back at every possible opportunity. He says, it's an honor to be married to me. It's an honor to be with me, Maurice, not not the other way around. And she knows this and the fact she knows it and she shows it on her face. That is my guilty pleasure. I love Maurice in the storyline. She was great. I, I, her facial expressions were everything. And I, like you said, she knows with a quickness that she would get speared before Mike would take a spear. Like <laughs> yes. she, I, it, it, her facial expression. She's very like she's another one that's a very good manager. WWE has a lot of good managers if they chose, if they wanted to. And she's one of them. She's very good with the facials. That's a great choice. Yeah, yes. that whole and, I'm, I'm, yes. I'm married to it. I am I am standing here on national television married to a dipshit look is <laughs> Is, is pretty stellar. I, I, I think that's an excellent choice. Yes. And Keila, I know you enjoyed it because you get to rag on the Miz. So this is like uh, a this is double for you. Of course. Like Maurice was my girl on Monday. Like she had my face. Like, yes, your man ain't shit. And you know this to be true. And I loved it. Maurice, my MVP of Monday Night Raw for the facial expressions alone, knowing your man isn't hitting on nothing in terms of being a loving, supportive, protective husband, knowing you would take the hits at all times on his on his behalf and still denies if he did anything wrong. I love it. Now, as for my avoid at all costs, got to go back to NXT. And even though I like Wendy Chu, I do. I'm not blaming her. I'm not even blaming Persia Parada. <laughs> Indy Hartwell, she has moments of being a good actress. But Caden Carter and Casey Kenzo were acting. Lord mm. have mercy. I felt like I was watching Saved by the Bell the college years <laughs> with worse acting. It was terrible. Talking about, oh, we went out with Brooks and Riggs or Brooks and Dunn and Brooks and Jensen and them or whoever they are. Brooks Briggs and Stratton or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever they Brooks are. Brooks and somebody. Brooks and Briggs, whoever <laughs> they are. We went text to step. Oh, nothing like that, girlfriend. Like, what is this dialogue? What is this? And then we got Tiffany Stratton over there sitting there calling her daddy on the phone. Like, all of this was terrible outside of Wendy Chu and Persia Parada, who I give credit. She tries to act seriously. She tries to bring a level of thespianism to NXT 2.0. But the material was god awful after school special shit bad yeah yeah i absolutely I agree for, i forgot about the the 30 year old mommy's girl being in the skit too i i completely forgot about her what, what, what's i can't wait to find out who daddy is <laughs> that is a good question <laughs> I, who's daddy yes who is the father <laughs> who is this woman's father <laughs> who is who is this particular woman's daddy that yes. got her into nxt I'm yes. worried that it's going to end up being Paul Bearer because he turned out to be everybody's father there for. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, you, hey man, you, you never know. This I, that, this is NXT 2.0 because not a week like it's kind of ridiculous. Like they just really kind of ridiculous. Of, it's, it's, it's like <laughs> what in the world is going on? Wendy Chu. We got the 30 year old tennis chick calling daddy. And then we got the dancers going out with the Cowboys. So what is going there? It's crazy. It's a madhouse in 
Yes, we get through, this, we get through this whole episode without mentioning Harlan and Gacy and all. I mean, it's a it's bad shit right. on that thing. You're yes, right. we we have serial killers in training. We have teachers <laughs> that have side hustles at night school. NXT two porno is is uh, and Andre Chase's night school. We've got serial killers running amok. We have a lot of things happening on this show. It's a hybrid of professional wrestling and Vince's sports entertainment, and it's not all good. Two serial killers. Think about that for a moment. Like, like Harlan's yes. gimmick isn't even the original on the show he's on. There's already yeah. a goddamn serial killer running around out there. <laughs> Who's the good met, guy? What in the hell? Guy? You know they're going to go to Harlan and Dexter Loomis someday as a match. And what the hell stipulation are they going to have at Halloween Havoc for that one next year? Loser Knife gets beheaded? Knife oh on God. a pole. Machete on a pole match. Yes, a first of our kind, and and Chucky and Chucky would be the special guest referee. No Christ, they would get the night from him. They missed that opportunity. Chucky should have been at Halloween Havoc last year. Yes, Chucky should have been. He should have been the host. Yes, he was the host, but he wasn't like he was a guest host. He should have been the host, right, of the show. He should really be the new general manager of NXT 2.0. Oh my goodness, he really should. He really should. Like, if William Briegel can't do it anymore, Chucky saying war games, motherfuckers, mm-hmm. with a knife, that would be everything. But, you know, that's that's cross-promotion at its best. Chucky was the MVP of Halloween Havoc. Let it be known. Not Grayson Waller, not L.A. Knight. By the way, where is L.A. Knight? Yeah, where is he? Where where has he been? Hopefully, he's okay. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hopefully. All right. Yeah. And with that, this wraps up a very entertaining episode of The Wrap. Every time we're together, we tend to break records here. But this was a very newsworthy week that must be discussed at its highest level. So once again, Stephen and Scott, thank you for joining me this week, per the usual, for The Wrap. Dead silence. They don't appreciate their time on this show. Oh, I, oh I didn't you realize you were throwing that. it to her. I, I, yeah, I thought you were saying that was the rap. No! Yeah, I thought it was the end of the show. <laughs> I no. did too. Hey, I, you know you know, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. I apologize for the dead silence. That's the Von Wagner in me. I was I was <laughs> yeah. trying to think about what I was supposed to say next. I was looking for my cue card and Keela pulled it from me so I couldn't find it. So yeah, that, that's on me. I lost the cue card. I lost, I lost my spot. I lost my step and I tripped over myself. I apologize. All right, Keely. You know I wouldn't leave you hanging like that if I thought it was if I thought uh, if I thought you were waiting for me to say something. I I love being on the show. I really enjoyed it again today, and uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the next time. That damn Von Wagner finds a way to just sneak in at the very end, at the last possible moment, pulling the cue cards away. Such a shame. But in all seriousness, thank you guys once again. We'll be back next Saturday with a brand new wrap. Hopefully things won't be as busy in WWE, but knowing how 22 started so far, you never know. So on behalf of Steven and Scott and myself, that is a wrap officially.